make clear, Netanyahu is a national historical disaster for Israel. He has to go. Ben Gvir is a, is a terrible event. Smotrich is a terrible event. The hilltop youth in the territories, in the, the West Bank, is a terrible event. What I think about uh, Ben Gvir and his uh, friends, I've spelled out in Israel, not in Turkey. Yeah. In Israel, in front of them, in the most extreme manner. I call them enemies. I say that they are butchers, they are, that they are killers, they are murderers, they are terrorists. I said it on my own people, on my own minister since 2009, yeah. the Israeli policy was absolutely negative, was not really uh, prepared to embark on a meaningful process that was essential. They have not followed the policy that I've outlined, which, was, which carried a real chance for peace. And I don't release the Israeli government from 2009 of its responsibility for the lack of communication. I think that he is a danger to Israel, that he should be immediately fired, that he should be thrown out, that his, uh, his uh, bedtime uh, because of many reasons which have nothing to do with Palestinians. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, December 8th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a huge show planned. I've got a lot to talk about. Of course, wasn't able to get to a show yesterday. So two days in the world of T-Lab is, is a lot to get into the show. But in general, there's a lot I'm going to try to include today, so it will probably be long. I'm going to try to kind of outline what we're going to go through right now for the show today, but there's there's quite a bit to get into that, that I generally think is very important. We're going to start with some COVID-19 specific conversation, stuff that I only just saw today, in fact, one of which is that there's apparently a new variant, JN1, which I'm not saying in any way should be important or matter to you, quite frankly, with what we know about it, but that I believe it be, it's the indication that there's another agenda behind it. And we're also going to discuss a, a multitude of things that are coming out, all of which you should already know if you've been watching this show since 2020 or before. But I want to reiterate how much has been happening in the world of medical freedom, COVID-19 injections and so on that I think are very important. One of which overlaps with not necessarily, well, I, I do think there's a combination of the DNA contamination aspect and this glitch they're discussing. I quite frankly, this is a, definitely a real conversation about this like mRNA glitch misfire protein discussion. I feel it's, I think, I think it's a real conversation that is very important, but I think it's almost a, a scapegoat, not because it's not real, but because there's a lot more going on that we've already proven, as you well know, that is almost, this is meant to make it seem as if it's like, don't worry, we'll just fix this little tweak when it's far more than just this one. But that is a huge problem, as somebody rightly points out, but somehow managed to win a Nobel Prize. Oh, but we're finding all these mistakes that are coming out. It's it's obvious what this was, and which is an important actually point to start on in before I list off the rest and to flavor what we're going to look at today. 
whether we're talking about this government or that government or the, the true kind of string pullers of the world in regard to the kind of supranational aspect or the intelligence apparatus or the, you know, the groups, the what people would call deep state or, or shadow governments or these kind of entities. The point being is that there's always these these ruling factions or even just the, the financial industry. All, all these intersect. The point being that these are the kind of groups that are influencing the outcome of elections of different group of whether or not these injections are deployed, whether or not they're meant to hurt you. And we all, my point being is that all these things kind of blend over each other. And if we're talking about the fact that they're willing to deploy something like this, if that's the way you see it going down, or rather just lying about the fact that it was hurting everybody all the way to this very moment. Consider that in the context of what's going on with Israel. It's amazing how we can see this coming just before October 7th, or, you know, in the midst and post the COVID-19 fervor, you had people that were on the right predominantly that were very aware. Look at all these people trying to hurt you, trying to depopulate the planet, however you saw it. Very aware who the what the problem was. Then all of a sudden this starts and many of those same people started trusting the exact same groups that 30 seconds ago they were telling you were trying to depopulate the planet. I mean, the overlap is striking. And you see the same thing on the left, by the way, because the left-right paradigm is the problem. But what I think is interesting is how obvious it shows you either people within that didn't mean what they were saying or how easily the two-party illusion will manipulate people's opinions on a dime because they're so emotionally and emotionally invested in the new thing that day and just somehow managed to not connect the dots and realize, but wait a minute, look at all these strings that tie together all the same players that go right over here. And they're the ones telling you we all have to stand together. It's really interesting. So carry that with you today as we go through it. The point being is I think all these things are largely connected in different ways, not necessarily in a conspiratorial way. However you take that, I mean, like in the real sense, but more so that they're just, there's always overlaps. The kind of never let a good crisis go to waste kind of mentality. Now we're, we're going to talk about primarily the Gaza-Israel conversation. We're, we're going to have a couple points on foreign policy I think are important. Com comments about Russia and how that plays into things. But we're also, we're, uh, we're going to get in to start the main conversation with the point about Reuters and the journalist that was killed in Lebanon. The one that we talked about the day that it happened. Not hypothetically, not maybe, not flushing, but that based on the evidence at hand, it was an undeniable fact that you're now being told by the investigative teams that they've confirmed, even though it was confirmed, not because I said it, but because the facts and the evidence were blatant. They were self-evident. He was there. They were clearly there with other people who didn't get killed, who then testified that he was also there. And we know that Israel fired in that location because their own people said they did it before it happened. It's a one, two, and three reality. So we came out and said he was killed. They fired on journalists when there was not a military objective. They killed him. Then even Reuters kind of went real quiet about it. My point is to show you that we talked about it then. They're only just now getting to it. And guess what? Most of the world is looking elsewhere. Even It's not like it should be shocking that Israel targets and kills journalists. Happens all the time. We're going to talk about that more today. <clears throat> We're going to get into the false flag conversation a little bit more today. A great article by Ian Davis, or In This Together, from, from Twitter, writing for uh, Geopolitics and Empire. And a really, really well-sourced, well-outlined, all-encompassing sort of article around the different points about the, the, the potential of a false flag, or as he calls it, a Lee Hop, which we've mentioned before in the past, which essentially means they allowed it to happen. And I do think this is where it kind of lies for the most part, or what makes the most sense. 
So that will then get us into the conversation of the people involved on both sides, whether we're talking about the people that were taken that are in Gaza, the people that were hurt or killed in Israel or the, in the other side of this, the Americans or the Palestinians that are suffering or British in Gaza and so on. And how very clear that they were willing to let Israelis or Palestinians be killed or shot or suffer because of this agenda. And I've continued to allow that going forward. And guess what, guys? Israelis are saying that too. And it's important that Americans or people in the West acknowledge and accept that fact. It's an obvious reality. It's interesting how our corporate media and our governments want you to hear something else. It's the same thing I've been telling you for a decade about the two-state solution. They're still doing it. They'll come out and say they want the two-state solution. And they're right over there saying we will never allow a two-state solution. And then when we say it, we get called conspiracy theorists that they don't want it. It's very, it's, it's very obvious. We're also going to get into a lot more about the United Nations, the resolution, the uh, rather initiation of Article 99. We're going to talk about the many different UN members that have been killed. We're going to talk about a whole hell of a lot today. And I think it's important that I want everyone to do their best to try to pluck the parts out that they think are most important. Like I want to challenge you all out there as much as that we make clips and we do that. Find the things you find think are important, screenshot it, take that or make your own clip about it, but take something and get these things out there. Cause I'm increasingly seeing that my work is important to continue day after day in usually long format, because I think that's most important for me to express my thoughts for you guys to enjoy. A lot of people like the long content, but a lot don't. So pluck these things out and make them your, get them in front of people that might not otherwise see it in smaller versions, because I think there's so much in here that we're going to get to probably in the latter half of the show that most people might not even see, you know, not least of which, because I talk for 10 minutes before we even get into anything, but you know, that's how we do. So let's, let's start off with the wrong spot uh, right here. Coming from uh, Mufid Mustafa, who shared this original clip. If you didn't know who that was, prime minister Ehud Olmert, former Israeli prime minister, Who's speaking on the record and saying Netanyahu, Ben Gavir are terrorists and murderers and have destroyed Israel? You might not be shocked to hear that that's what a lot of Israelis have been saying. Now, one thing I worry about is that this is a situation where you see a lot of Israelis begin to recognize the problem. But it's important we understand that even the more moderate parts of the Israeli government are still completely OK with continuing to murder Gazans, for the most part, Palestinians. There's I mean, I don't want to try to pretend that I know what each individual person thinks or what they might, but I think generally it's obvious throughout policy and history and votes and, and different ways you can tell their mind that it's clear that even the more less extreme elements of the Israeli government are still very pro-Zionist and still very much want, well, again, there's a lot of different angles you could take that, but most of them support the overall agenda of taking that area. And I think that's important to understand. So at the very least, the Israeli people are starting to recognize that they're being led by like just religious extremists, which is not what, even if you have Orthodox Jews that support the state of Israel, there's a lot of them that see what even the religious Zionism party are doing as absolutely crazy. You know why? Because it is, they're absolutely religious lunatics. And this is not up for even the ADL called these groups terrorists, specifically religious Zionism part of this before a while ago, years back, addressing them as terrorists. And yet today we're called racist for pointing that out. It's a very interesting dynamic. So you can see that the actual people that are aware of these different groups are 
more than willing to point out that they're lunatics, but it's interesting when we say it from a Western perspective, it gets contorted into anti-Semitism, which sure, maybe there's an overlap, but you can't say that as an absolute, and it's definitely not where I'm coming from. Now, before we get back into more more Gaza conversation, I, I want to make sure we go over some of the important things happening elsewhere. Now, we just had an excellent conversation with Whitney Webb. The Cyber Threat Intelligence League, or CTI League, and its impending false flag. Really interesting conversation about well, really how it specifically pertains to the conversation Whitney and I have had a lot around the potential for the false flag elements of this, whether coming from an Israeli aspect, an outside or alleged foreign aspect, or specifically sabotaging itself from a U.S. perspective to justify action, which is just basically play number two from U.S. foreign policy that we don't, most people don't want to know about. But what I think this leads into is the idea of the overlap of the UN 8200 Israeli Zionist influence on infrastructure in this country and whether that might be initiated to justify what they've always wanted, which is an attack on Iran or U.S. pressure or violence against Iran, which is not even up for debate. And interestingly enough, as Whitney points out, the Lee, the head of the CTI League is a classic longtime Zionist Israeli entity that was is aggressively have been seeking his entire career just that. U.S. action against Iran. And apparently, people that join this league have all sorts of access to national security elements behind the scenes because of this one person's admission. It's just amazing how the U.S. government can scream about national security and then just let a funnel of people come in through this back door who have access to nuclear facilities, who have access to hospitals. And I mean, it's just crazy. Absolutely crazy stuff because it's about what they tell you, cybersecurity to keep you safe from the bad guys from outside. So I think it's a really important conversation to see how this, and of course, the point of this image is that they see it mostly against you in the United States, and it's coming, and it's coming, and always the impending threat of the false flag. So the point is, if something then happens, like we've seen many times before, and they immediately say it was an Iran cyber attack, which often turn out to not be, or Russia or China and so on, and all of a sudden it gets marshaled quickly into some kind of action before we can even prove what happened. Sound familiar? Happens all the time. That's what we worry about. Now, on the note of the COVID-19 aspect, which I think is important for, from this, that our thought in this and my constant hypothesis around where this will end up converging is that this will take form. I hope this isn't the case. This is just what I see making the most sense. The combination of sort of a vanilla ISIS overlap, sort of domestic terrorism element that they claim is that, whether it's just somebody wearing a red hat or not, who they claim is involved with working with, let's just say, Iran. So there's your foreign overlap for a vanilla ISIS kind of concept, who then carries out, with the help of that foreign element, some sort of a cyber attack, which then, let's just say, hypothetically, releases a biological agent. And then all of a sudden, you've got this perfect trifecta of everything they've been pushing. A complete justification, no matter which angle you look at, to lock you down, to make digital IDs, to put in a biosecurity state. That's scary. But that's what I see this building to. I hope I'm wrong. So on that note, let's talk quickly about the COVID-19 discussion. I wanted to make sure we didn't miss these things. Now, Ethical Approach UK pointed out something really interesting to me. Thank you to We Are All Hearts, I think it was Gaza before, who uh, shared this with me. Now, just quickly, just uh, some, they had some conversation there, just cutting to the chase. Here's what it says, and this is from the Parliament UK Committee uh, transcript. And all it's really hi highlighting is Kate Birmingham Bingham's orders on the record or rather just a statement referring to the orders on the record in a UK transcript that discusses exactly what we all know. 
There's a lot in here. Just a quick point is Dominic Cummings, who is in this back and forth, is saying, I think fundamentally on vaccines, and we're really quickly just so you can see it, so you don't think this is. So House of Commons, Health and Social Care Committee and Science and Technology Committee. So basically, it's getting to the responsibility element, you know, who is actually responsible in regard to the vaccination part. And it says, I think fundamentally on vaccines, there was a there was clear responsibility. There was somebody who was actually in charge of of it, and that was Kate Bingham. She was working with Patrick Balance. She built a team of people who understood what they were doing. She had the strength of character not to be pushed around. This meant from their perspective as a positive. And here's how they frame this. We had a kind of formal thing, which was, quote, you're in charge of it. The whole vaccination program and, and everything around it. You report basically directly to the prime minister, it says. This is still the quote. You don't report to the Department of Health. That's interesting. Well, we knew this, right? That's politics superseding health. Or, you know, the, the idea we pointed out in the beginning, which was the White House directing CDC policy and not the other way around. It says, so she knew who her boss was on it. Right? The government, or the, the, the politicians, not the health department, which was the exact opposite. It goes on to say, she built a great team. And we also said to her, that's the important part, treat this like a wartime thing. We also know that now. Ignore rules, direct quote. If lawyers get in your way, Come to us and we'll find ways to of bulldozing them out of your way. Yeah, God forbid the rules get in the way or lawyers with all their legalities. No, just do what we've decided is supposed to happen. Guys, this is blatant. It always was, but now it's coming out left and right. This information is clear. The law was not even on. They did what they look. You could argue some of them believed it was because we have to. Right. We can't let the law get in the way of saving the world. But that's how they trick the people that can't, you know, have people that aren't very bright. Right. They make them they get them all hyped up on the idea. You're doing this for your government. You're doing this for your country. Those kind of things. And usually they're people that are easy to manipulate like that. The point is that they did this. They allowed it to circumvent the law. And this is what actually happened. A few points, by the way, as you well know, for years of coverage, there is an endless amount of information showing you these things are not just deadly willingly so willfully so that they omitted information they knew would hurt people quite frankly i'm starting to believe that they did this to hurt people which is not that contentious quite frankly a lot of people think that i just don't have the point to prove that i mean i, mean, I would even actually walk that back because i quite frankly think there's so much evidence to show that these things were done from the start in ways that i mean i would say you could even straddle the line of whether it was an experiment versus deliberate harm but it's kind of just a, it's kind of semantics at that point, right? Or if you're willing to do this, knowing it would hurt people, even if you think it's some abstract, maybe the information will save lives down the line, you're still a horrible person. You're still experimenting on people without their knowledge. So at this point, I think we need to be honest about what this all shows us. And now Christy Lara Grace, who if you remember, we've talked about in the past, former lipid nanoparticle RNA biotech designer, project manager, consultant, right? So she knows what she's talking about when it comes to the lipid nanoparticles, and and the, the 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 conversation of the COVID nineteen technology or vaccine technology, now she types writes N one methyl pseudouridylation, what we've talked about a lot on the show of mRNA. So this this was the mod RNA conversation, right? They keep saying our mRNA to this very day. It's not. It's never been mRNA. It is a modified RNA, right? To say mRNA that stands for messenger RNA. This is not. It is a modified RNA. It's different. They love to conflate things to, to people that don't understand. 
but it is a modified N1-methyl-pseudouridine-modified RNA, which makes it not only a genetically modified ent- uh, organism, or whatever you would call it, a genetically modified substance, it, 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 there's all sorts of extra problems. It lasts longer, right? It, and th- this is what gets into the conversation of why it continues to circulate your body for months later, if not indefinitely, which they lied about. Stays right in your shoulder muscle. You know how long they kept saying that? Some people still actually say that. Now, it says, it says oh, she goes on to say, plus one ribosomal frame shifting, quote, apparent errors in protein synthesis, including frame shifting, can be consequences of DNA mutation or transcriptional errors. The off-target effect of ribosomal frame shifting could include increased production of new B-cell antigens. Now, this is directly from nature.com, the peer-reviewed study. So if you can read that deep in deeper, if you want, the point is it's, this study is very clear. It's not about whether it will. It's that we are discovering this is the reality. Now, this is what I said all the way back in September 8th. And we've been talking about it long before that, by the way, I said, and this is the first art uh, tweet or the tweet that I'm quoting. A team of researchers has used lipid nanoparticles loaded with mRNA, the starring technology in some COVID vaccines to non-invasively and selectively trigger cell death in living mice's blood stem cells. And in second experiment, they used the nanoparticle system to remove a sickle cell producing gene. My point at the time was, well, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is what dual use tech looks like. It can be a weapon or it can help you. Who gets to decide? Well, the very people that we don't trust. So the point is that this is what it's always been. The modified RNA which, as I said, this it all depends on how the mRNA is programmed, which, again, we're talking about the mod RNA, N1-methylsudouridine-modified RNA. This is the mRNA platform tech, guys. This is what they made. They can, they can give you something which could, even after the fact, be initiated with something secondary. These are all facts. Whether that is what's happening, that's debatable. But whether it can happen is not up for debate. They designed a weapon platform, and they're using it to possibly help you but we can tell they're not because it's hurting everybody. So clearly they either failed to make the good part of it, or they're trying to hurt you with the weapons platform. That's what this is. And we should not mince words about this anymore. The point is that this, as it says, can be used to trigger cell death. So we should, first of all, be asking, oh, that's weird. Oh, that's right. I'll show you these two. First, asking whether or not what we're talking about today is in fact designed to do that, or these are byproducts of trying something else. It's up for you to decide, but I include these as well. This article, and it says, this is why we have peer-reviewed science finding that it is the very mRNA platform itself that's in causing myocarditis in part, because it's not just one thing, but that is the peer, the peer-reviewed science has found that yes, these are causing my, it's the platform, not the injection, not the antigen, but the platform itself that's causing myocarditis. So no matter what they do going forward, it's still going to cause myocarditis because the actual fundamental platform itself is flawed or designed that way. This is something Fauci's acknowledged that it's not working. We need something different, but guess what they're doing? Not that. They're continuing down this line. The lipid nanoparticle mod RNA delivery system, like discussed above, was it programmed to do this or just a mistake? Then remember that Ralph Barrick from North Carolina University, Chapel Hill, was funded by the U.S. government to create a myocarditis-inducing coronavirus. That's a fact. It is this, it said, is this mod RNA platform the end result of this weaponizing research? 
It's I've gone over the actual science from the 90s many times. He worked on literally trying to create a myocarditis-inducing coronavirus. And then we literally have that happen, and we don't put these things together. And it says, after his U.S.-funded government efforts to weaponize a coronavirus to induce myocarditis, interestingly, exactly what is happening today, he went on to attempt to aerosolize it, also on the record, to make it self-spreading using the bats in the caves of China. It's literally all documented. And this overlapped with the work of Charles Lieber and Robert Langer. Langer later going on to become the co-founder of none other than Moderna, where the lipid nanoparticle delivery system went into effect as the COVID-19 injection. It's not pretty easy to see. Lieber used a lipid nanoparticle system to create a virus-sized transistor in 2011. Lieber said this innovation was important because it indicated that when a man-made structure is as small as a virus or bacteria, it can behave the way biological structures do. I've always asked, is that not possibly what we're literally dealing with? A virus-sized transistor. I've openly wondered since 2020 whether the virus-sized transistor might in fact be COVID-19. Either way, I feel all of this is converging, being used to usher in a new stage of control. Some of this may, may seem wild to people. I just ask that you consider the possibility. Now, the point is all of that is getting into the idea that now this is being proven because of this other conversation. Now, we talked about this in one of many times on May 6, 2023, the mod RNA lie. This is our sub stack breaking it down as well. Now, Dr. Simon Godek writes, as of, I think this was yesterday, put it yesterday, yeah. The Telegraph, one in four, one in four who received the Pfizer injection. Now, by the way, really, this is just an mRNA shot, as I see it experienced unintended immune responses. Now, guys, that's not a sore shoulder. That is not a headache. That is not queasiness. Unintended immune responses can be deadly. None of them are positive, right? The point is an unintended immune response is when you have all the different things we've been dealing with, the antibody-dependent enhancement, the, the shingles, I mean, everything. So there you go. One in four. 25% of everyone that got these safe and effective Nobel winning prize shots that are changing the world could have died, could have had cancer, could have had myocarditis, could have had antibody dependent enhancement, could right now be suffering from a thousand different things you're calling long COVID. Yep, that's the successful injection that saved the world. Obviously, I'm being facetious because it did not. And in fact, quite frankly, I think the evidence is plainly evident that it did not need to be made. This thing was less than the flu. That's according to the Ionitis group that this was always less than the flu that still nobody is challenged. He says, just a little glitch, they say. 25% isn't a glitch. The good news is that it's all coming out. There's nowhere to hide. Heads must roll, assuming they do anything about it. Igor Chudov points out, we were told that COVID vaccines were extensively tested. We know they weren't. Turns out that pseudouridine in them causes random protein garbage to be generated. God, I sure wish people would listen when we were talking about this a year ago, exposing our bodies to danger. It is called frame shifting, the same as losing bits of a computer code. Isn't that interesting? Here's his substack. If you'd like to read more on it, I recommend you do. Bohemian Atmosphere points out, it doesn't sound good. Here's BBC. It is the translation process in the ribosomes that can go slightly wrong, the researchers say. Where were these researchers when this first came out? All this evidence was very clear. It was static, right? The information was there. The end result is still get great protection, they say. <laughs> but can there be a few extra unintended proteins? Wow. 
Still good, though. Still good. Still safe and effective. Still safe and effective. Just don't mind the people dying in the street. Safe and effective. COVID study. mRNA vaccines could be fine-tuned. My God. Fine-tuned. Right? After, after 2023, fine-tuned. I mean, this is just, this is my point. They will drag this dead body of an, of an agenda as far as you'll let them. It's just staggering to me. Now, I, I, I was going to read something on that, but I'm just going to leave it for now. Ozzy17 also writes, explosive study published in Nature, the one we just read, shakes the core of mRNA technology. He's also sharing more of another uh, on another cancer drug at the end of the article. But here's the point I want to read. Mistranslational events may increase toxicity. This is exactly the point. This is from the same Nature article. These findings are of particular importance to our fundamental understanding of how ribonucleotide modification affects mRNA translation. Gee, don't you think we should have figured that out before you gave it to everybody in the world? I mean, this is why this is so obvious. Good thing we're figuring all this out on the fly. Ask Netanyahu. He tested everybody in Israel together to figure it all out. Like, I mean, it's not even up for debate. This is as shockingly obvious as it's ever been. Good thing we're understanding how this works after three plus years and for designing and optimizing future mRNA, yeah, mRNA-based therapeutics. Is that what we want? To avoid mistranslation events that may decrease efficacy or increase toxicity. Now, see, this is, I almost wonder whether that in and of itself is the scapegoat, the excuse, even if it's real. Without any of this, it's still deadly. The spike protein is still deadly, right? All the things we talked about, everything involved in this, every angle of this is explicitly dangerous. So whether, like, let's just say they go, oh, well, now we figured it out, right? We missed it. The extra protein, the frame shifting, it, that's why it's hurting more people. But you've been telling us it wasn't hurting more people and that we were all conspiracy theorists. No, no, you're right. But now we know why. So you're still wrong. Isn't that always how it works? And they'll go, ah, we, that's why it wasn't working good enough. And that's why people were dying. And now we fixed it. So shut up and take the new one. That's what that feels like to me. Sort of like Cadillac coming out and going, yep, we know it was the proximate cause, but we're going to make it better this time. That's what's going on while we're all paying attention elsewhere. Now, while that's happening, Mary Tally Bowden makes sure you, wants you to understand that apparently more than just Texas, they are now moving to continue in 2023, forcing children to have injections to be able to go. And guys, that includes the COVID-19 injection. In fact, that's primarily what I think it's about. It says from Texas Children's Pediatric Clinic, we respect parents' right to make medical decisions for their children. If you do not consent to having your child vaccinated against these diseases, we respectfully ask that you establish care with another provider. Right. Same game we play. We respect your rights, but we're not going to listen to them. Right. Or like, it's like saying we respect your right to sovereignty, Iraq, but we're not going to leave when you ask us to. So you don't then. Right. <laughs> Obviously, you don't. Like, look, just because a doctor believes one action is the safest or right or medically accurate way to go, never before the COVID-19 mania was it that, well, I'm going to omit you, that you're not allowed to come here anymore. I refuse to help you because of your current reality. That's That means you don't believe in Hippocratic Oath. 
That means that you are willing to hurt people because you have an opinion. These are bad people. Or people that believe they're acting in, because they're manipulated by politics. But either way, I think it translates to the same thing. Now, it says, we will continue to care for your child during this 60-day period. If you change your mind and plan to vaccinate your child, well, we'll do it for you. Here she includes this. This is the actual dot page from Texas Children's Pediatrics, so you can read it for yourself. And while that's happening, you know, while they're telling you you have to, have to have this dangerous injection that children do not need that will almost guarantee they'll have myocarditis at some point in their life, they're doing it quietly while you're... It's not something that should be doing that. Now, either way, the point is they're now giving these, as this person asked, were you aware of it? Did your children inform you? Right? Did they ask you about whether or not they were going to be giving children injections? Well, of course, under the skin, well, we don't have to ask you anymore. Or even that. Happening in where, very surreptitious ways, or the idea that these things are being given, which I've already seen in combination shots that people don't even realize they're getting. Here, the defender writes in a very concerning article, actually, from two days ago, FDA knew COVID vaccine safety monitoring system was not sufficient. I don't understand this. Now, this is problematic for many reasons. First of all, the system is designed exactly the way it's always been. not. As it's not, it's a, it's a signal system. It was never meant to prove anything. That's the way it was always designed. Now, is it, could it be better? I'm sure. But to make, to argue that somehow only now we're realizing that, oh, well, it just wasn't sufficient. So yet again, it gives a pass. It gives the illusion that, well, we missed all the problems because the system wasn't set up right. Well, the system functioned perfectly as it was supposed to before, I shouldn't say perfectly, there's plenty, people have had issues with it for a long time. My point is it was functioning the way it was designed to long before, up until COVID-19 time. And what it was like, it was just as I told you many times, June Rain in the UK, on the record, 2006 with The Guardian says, these systems are not designed to prove anything. The yellow card system is the same. It's just a signal. And when you get a large enough signal, Knowing some of them could be wrong, knowing some of them could be lies, knowing all of that, you still pause it, which they have every time before this except COVID. Why? So now to say, well, the system wasn't sufficient is giving them what they want. It's saying, oh, okay, well, this. I don't agree with this. I think it's obvious that Bayer's is not perfect. The system is set up in a way to be able to accept everything. That's a pass, I think. Now, another point is in regard to the blood donation discussion. As Dr. Ray points out, look at this bill that's being proposed in Illinois about blood donations, which probably won't pass because of it, but it says, requires a blood bank to test or have tested donated blood for evidence of any COVID vaccine and any other messenger uh, ribonucleic acid, mRNA, vaccine components and requires a blood donor to disclose during each blood donor screening process whether the blood donors received COVID vaccines or any other mRNA vaccine. Problem is that now it's already been happening. 
this whole time. So do you just start from scratch, which would be a huge deficit and problematic for the industry? I don't know. But I do know there's every reason to be worried about this. Now, the bill, whether it passes or not, doesn't change the fact that it is real. As Patricia points out, T-Lab informed followers and others have been long concerned. It's about time. Red Cross was called out on this long ago as as I called them out many times. This is this is from sep- just about a well, about from September 2022. And by the way, as far as I can tell, they still, even though even the nobody holds this line anymore. It's shocking. They said we don't label blood products as containing vaccine or unvaccinated blood, vaccinated or unvaccinated blood. Why? Well, because they claim the COVID vaccine does not enter your bloodstream and poses no risk. Well, that's provably false. You know why? Because I literally showed them a study right there that says, well, guess what? Spike protein mRNA vaccines. Dave's. Oops. So you'd think an honest organization would be like, whoa, Ryan, thank you for informing us of the peer-reviewed study that I, it should be my job to look for. Thank you. We'll correct this right away and make sure we don't hurt anybody. No, no, no. They ignored it. They ignored it over and over and over and over. And even another study. And now we've got another one, Red Cross. Do you have the courage to finally admit you're wrong? Or are you going to continue hurting people with the evidence is slapping you in the face? Well, they're going to continue hurting people while the evidence slaps them in the face. That's what they're doing. It's right in front of them. Duration of SARS-CoV-2 MRI vaccine, persistence, and factors associated with cardiac involvement in recently vaccinated patients. Persistence, meaning it continues to circulate the blood. It is in there. Routinely persists up to 30 days from vaccination and can be detected in the heart. So here they are. Forcing people to take blood, not even allowing donors that are in their family anymore. Why? When they know they're wrong. They know and they don't care. Think about how alarming that is. Call them out. Over and over and over. They need to be held accountable because they're hurting people and they don't care. Thank you, Dr. Ray, for pointing this out. Some people are trying to stop it. Here's one of the conversations, September 24th, 2022, vaxxed Red Cross blood donations. There's been numerous examples, by the way, showing babies that have gotten blood transfusions that then die and all sorts of numerous things. There, it's, it's precedented or it's, it's documented, but they don't care. These are the people we're dealing with. Now, Biden's administration is expanding this legal, uh, expands legal team in response to a surge in vaccine lawsuits two days ago. Gee, I wonder why. Because people are hurt. You know, I know, you know what I bet you this is, guys? 90, I bet you, I bet you more than anything, which I bet you more than anything that this is predominantly people that went along, trusted the science, and are now being hurt by it. And I mean that obviously in the quote, trusting the science. And now they're suing because they're pissed off. It's sort of like the hostages in the Israel conversation who are now pointing at Netanyahu and their government saying, you're the ones hurting people. You're the ones murdering people. You're the ones who are making it. We'll get to it right now. Same thing. Their own people are turning on them. Why? Because these are bad people we're talking about. And, And usually most of the people they're manipulating are not. They're just being manipulated. And now they're starting to see through it. Lastly, which I'm just almost blown away by with what's going on in the world, the elections, this, I'm, I don't understand this. Other than <clears throat> the worry that there really is some larger time-based agenda that this needs to be, di- I, I don't know, but here's what it says. The updated COVID-19 vaccines, the same ones, right? The ones that, what, I think it was like 3% actually took, I'm sure it's more than that now. <clears throat> 
and they're not, I mean, they're not, they're aligned with what was it again? <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the exact variant numbers. I forget now, but they were aligned with one specific, one of the later ones they went to, right? The studies they already showed already show in the past that did not work for things in the past. So now you're telling people take this for whatever else, even though it's almost guaranteed to cause some form of immune response, whether because of the frame shifting, because of the DNA contamination, or because you're literally giving them something that produces an antibody for something that's not currently present, which will cause antibody-dependent enhancement, or that's how it's done. We just think about how these are scientifically proven realities, and we're still calling it safe and effective. I just listed three. I can go off for an hour about these things. But it's saying they're expected to provide protection against new variants, BA286 or JN1. Why are they expected to do that, Mr. Science? Oh, well, because we hope they will, and we're going to tell you we're expecting them because we think they might. So you don't know, and you're pretending to, and you're lying. Yes, which happens every single time. You know how many times these older ones have worked for the new thing? Never. Repeat. I mean, over and over and over. They push the bivalent, and they quietly put it aside and go back to the other because they failed and it hurt people. Probably the design realize that they keep saying this and understand that in the article itself, it goes, there's no reason to believe this is going to be any more dangerous or blah, blah, blah. Same thing every single time. And yet they keep pushing the thing that is killing people around the world. The thing that is causing heart attacks and strokes and myocarditis and thrombosis. And I mean, oh, it's just unbelievable for something that is guaranteed to be less than the flu when it first started. God only knows how benign it is now after all that's happened, if it was ever actually there to begin with. But don't worry, they're going to keep pushing it. People are dying. Kills me. Now, a couple foreign policy points before we get into the larger point. I just thought this was interesting, right? There's a lot of this stuff going around. I just, I, I just still am so blown away by people can't see beyond the two-party illusion. Now, the, the people that are invested in it financially, whatever it is, I get why they stick around typically because they're not honest and they care about something other than the truth. But there's a lot of people out there that just can't pull themselves away from this. It's so obvious to me how like naive it all is. Like you just blindly go along with it. Like here's a good, this is an example I'm making with this. It's a rare Republican win, this person says. I'm not familiar with this word. The point is it says Senate Republicans blocked a bill to fund the war in Ukraine, right? So all the Republicans go, yeah, see, we're the ones fighting for, you know, Whatever, the one that were not pro the war. But they say demanding broader restrictions in exchange and leaving the bill's fate uncertain. And a rare Republican win, they say. Okay, why exactly? Why is it a rare Republican win? So is the win that they stopped funding Ukraine? Because that's not what happened. I can guarantee you what this will amount to. The illusion they don't want it when they do, they all do. And that ultimately it is them shoehorning in something else that you probably don't want either. Demanding broader restrictions. So you put in some arbitrary restriction that makes it look like you were trying to battle when this was guaranteed to begin with. So if they give them their broader restrictions, what does that mean? The bill passes. So what's the win here? It's fine-tuning the still funding of Ukraine. This is what frustrates me, is that we can't, they don't, the, the dynamic is so obvious the, the, they're all pro-war. They always there's people that speak up and act like they're against it. And you there's in like here's a good example to to, to um Rashida Talib screaming incessantly about the Palestinian cause and then votes present when it comes to the Zionism aspect. I mean, really, like that is the true picture of this: all talk, no action. 
They will sell you out for anything if it benefits their agenda. The two-party illusion is not your friend. Now, Secretary Anthony Blinken says, I've determined members of the Sudanese armed forces have committed war crimes. Like, feel free to laugh as this person talks about people committing war crimes. And rapid support forces have committed war crimes. Crimes against humanity and ethnic cleansing in Sudan. We stand with the people of Sudan in their demands for peace and civilian democratic rule. Right? You spelled Israel wrong. Right? I mean, it's just, it's so insulting to anybody's intelligence. Like, whether or not you think the Sudanese armed forces are a problem. To, for him to stand up and say this in such a, like, you realize the, the overlap to whatever they say the Sudanese armed forces are doing to with what we can literally see on full display. I mean, it is a fraction of what we're talking about. But because Israel has a narrative around it, well, we're fighting Hamas and we're defending ourselves. And well, those are all just words. What's happening? Right? What's happening? 50,000 people injured, almost 20,000 killed. 7,000 plus children, 70% women and children. Yeah, but that, but defending ourselves, okay, then we'll just ignore it. What's happening over here? Oh, you mean the Sudanese entities that you've been manipulating and funding sometimes and then putting in proxy forces to drive what you want and then calling it all terrorism and using that to coerce them to make deals with Israel? And if they do, you ignore it all? Yeah, you clearly care about it, don't you? You know why this is happening? Because the normalization deal is drifting away. That's the only thing they care about. There, this is Israel forcing the United States government to force other countries to normalize relations with them. And if they do, well, nothing matters. You can do whatever you want. And we'll call it freedom. If you don't, you can do any good. Well, no matter what you do, we'll call it terrorism. That's the dynamic. Now, if you want to look more on this, Robert did a video about this a long time ago, which, by the way, they I, I didn't realize they had censored. So I had to upload it just recently to BitChute. So there's the video again. Foreign policy with Robert Inlikash. Israeli peace deals with Sudan, UAE, Bahrain explained. And he gets into the whole normalization deals and what they really mean. It's embarrassing. The simplest point that I've made about this, when they made this deal, just taking Sudan in particular, they, the, Sudan, the Sudanese government was on the terrorist watch list. So the point is they said, well, you're a terrorist. So you would argue that means they were committing acts of terror, right? So they went on the list. Okay. So then, well, just so it's clear, assume that for the sake of conversation. Then Israel wants the normalization deal. So the U.S. goes, well, normalize with Israel. And the Sudanese come to talk. They talk about normalizing. Okay. And they say, well, if you do that, we'll take you off the watch list. So you see the point there, right? I said it before. So either that means, because nothing has changed. They have not changed their actions. That means that they were never actually committing terrorism. This was meant to be a coercive tool. This is what Robert believes, I think, to drive them to normalization. Or they are terrorists, and they don't care about that, as long as they're friends with Israel. There's really no way to misunderstand that. That's what I'm trying to show people every day. There's so much that we're being shown that is is blatant. It shows you who they really are with their own actions. But just looking, reading between the lines. And just to include it in general, this is from August 22nd of this year. All across the world, the U.S. government is arming terrorists and destabilizing nations in your name. That's a good show, but just to make that point to think about as we go forward, because that is truly the reality. On that note, Tucker Carlson said something today I just want to comment on. He said the Biden administration is openly threatening Americans over Ukraine, which the sentiment he's making here, I actually completely agree with. In a classified briefing in the House yesterday, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin informed members that if they don't appropriate more money for Zelensky, he says, quote, we'll send your uncles, cousins and sons to fight Russia. Pay the oligarchs or we'll kill your kids. 
So as far as I can tell, unless there's some secret, uh, something that he, a Tucker has access to, which certainly likely, certainly possible, that has that quote that I can't find anywhere else. I, that, that does not appear to be a quote. It appears to be the way Tucker perceived what they, was, they were saying, but I could be wrong. Tucker may have some transcript of some meeting that I don't see. My point is, what ultimately seems to have happened was that the, this is how the game is played in corporate media, or more partic- more specifically, the two-party illusion. He comes out and says that basically the sentiment being <clears throat> that we are we we want to continue funding Ukraine. So if you don't help us do that, this will end up in a position where we are fighting Russia because they they go into other countries after Ukraine. That's what they're actually saying, right? So, which exactly, I, I, which first of all is actually pretty ridiculous to assume we know that Russia wants to do that. They've never said that. There's no action indicating they want to do that, but of course it's possible. Really, to me, it seems to be the U.S. empire and Israeli empire projecting onto Russia that they want, they, they, they would love it was the old Soviet Union. They could point that whenever they wanted to. It's not that anymore. <clears throat> In no way does that mean good guy. It just means it's not what they always claim it is. So what you're really hearing is what they know that the Ukrainian Azov movement has explicitly said that they will go on to spread the white race around the world once they can, they've said that endlessly, repeatedly, but yet we don't, we go, ah, you don't understand. <laughs> it's sort of like what we hear from Israel. It's, it's, it's absurd. So my point is, when he wants the right-wing party here, right-wing people listening to him, to hear he's threatening to send your uncles and cousins and sons, which I don't think he actually said unless there's something I'm not seeing, to fight Russia, he, of course, leaves out the context that what he's saying is when Russia goes to fight other countries. The way this reads is if you don't send money to Ukraine, we're going to start sending your people to fight in Ukraine against Russia. That's not what he actually said. So my point is I just get so frustrated with how easily the two-party illusion, because of they know your short, your blind spots, will manipulate people. Here is Biden doing the same thing. Joe Biden raised, and again, don't miss right wing, left wing, right wing, left wing of the same bird. That's the same point. He goes, Joe Biden raises the possibility of American troops fighting Russian troops. Now, if you listen to him, he goes on to say, Quietly at the end, when Russia goes after other countries. Well, again, you all you're doing is fear mongering about an, an un, some hypothetical future action that might take place after this ends. And there's, in my opinion, zero indication that's going to happen. There's no indication that Russia has ever shown you that they want to. Like th- what they'll point that is, what about what about the Donbass in general, right? What about Crimea? Well, those aren't what they're told. If you don't understand by now that those are not what the U.S. government claims they are, then you don't care. The evidence is blatant, self-evident around the world from anybody that actually cares about the situation. Crimea voted to become a part of And it's obvious. They're Russian-speaking. They clearly have been attacked by the Yazov movement this entire time. And you can see that today, just like in Donbass. The point is, there's no indication that Russia actually is planning to go around and topple countries around the world. And quite frankly, I just don't even think it makes sense anymore with the way, like, there's, again, not good guy. Quite frankly, I think their actions are far more surreptitious and and overlapping with the Great Reset. This is a dying empire speaking from a corner. That's what I think is happening. You better fight. We better stand up and fight Russia quickly or they're going to, you know, it's, it's all, I think, a game to get you in the same position that they want you in. It's more pliable for the whatever develops post these actions today, World War III, whatever we're talking about. As long as you're on their side, 
which is that we have to marshal our forces to stop what they're doing when really it's what they're doing with you, which causes everything else to happen. Now, to bring this into the Israel conversation, Ali Hashim points out, and I've made this point already, Gallant is a maniac, and he's openly, more than once, has said that if we'll do this to Beirut, another civilian location. Israeli Defense Minister Gallant threatened Lebanon. Every person in Lebanon can take the map, the aerial photograph of Gaza, you know, the completely carpet bomb destroyed area, and place it on aerial photograph of Beirut and ask themselves, is this what they want to happen there? Now, why would that happen there? What's the argument? Are you now, are you now claiming they've got tunnels under their civilian areas? Or is that just going to become the claim when you want to start bombing the area? You see how that works? They've already established this. You don't just get to flow. Like what they're doing is saying, we got away with this, or they think they did. We'll do it to you. We'll bomb your civilian Beirut area if you don't do what we want. That's what they're saying. Now, about the Reuters journalist, we have a lot to go through on the topic of Israel and Gaza that I think is very important. Let's set the tone about one of the early lies that we caught in all of this and the way that not just Israel, but the corporate media, the U.S. government, the Western governments in general absolutely chose to ignore this. A journalist, mind you, from Reuters of all places, didn't even care. One of the most obvious and now proven, even though it was proven the day it happened, they killed this person. Almost two months later, David Roth Lindbergh points out, Reuters, Reuters investigation admits that an Israeli tank crew killed Reuters visual, visuals journalist Isam Abdallah. And at the time, wounded six reporters. One of the women, it looks like she had her leg almost blown off in Lebanon this October 13th by firing two shells in quick succession from Israel. And everyone else knows about it the same day. Here's one of the reports from Committee to Protect Journalists. So they, they call for accountability, which I guarantee won't happen, after reports find Israel likely targeted journalists in Lebanon. And this, of course, is likely, but the reality is this is being broken down. Not only this is by French press agency uh, and air wars. Air, this, these, this is a provable fact. Again, you didn't need this to be able to prove it. But all this time later, their investigation from French press agency and air wars confirmed that an Israeli, <clears throat> excuse me, Israeli attack on October 13th killed Reuters journalists. One specifically injured and injured several others from Al Jazeera, French press agency, and Reuters. Now, this is a 3D model that was made to explain the geography and how it happened. And you know, you remember all this. We showed you this right here, or what was it? The well, it was that shot from a different angle. So this is a verified fact, guys. We talked about this on the 13th, on the third, the day this happened. Reuters journalist killed by Israeli bombing, and of course, we got all the shills. Go, you're a liar. That didn't happen. Yeah, of course, none of them will come back and apologize because they're not here for honesty. And it's, again, demonstrating our value. I wouldn't state that unless I felt this was proven. Of course, I can make mistakes. But I, I, I ask all of you to go back and look at our track record and recognize why this platform is important. Again, I'll, I'll shout out to Char, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Robinson, Microaggressions. He has a new show that I was just on. And what he said is he's like, we have a DeLorean, like stepping into our show is like going back into DeLorean to see things. And it, I, you know, I appreciate that. Now, there's plenty of other people I think that are doing similar work ahead of the, ahead of the curve. And it's not because we're psychic. It's because we care enough to look at these things and we're objective and nonpartisan. But I, if you believe in this platform, guys, I, there's a reason that people were, that we're successful in this because we are constantly ahead of these stories. 
and even the research that we're doing, which uh, which comes in part from a lot of other other journalists, as we aggregate for you, gives you this information almost always before the corporate media. Now, Peter Dow points out Israel is just murdering journalists. He's right. This is even the New York Times. Strike that killed Reuters journalist was, quote, apparently deliberate. See, it goes even further. Not only did we know that he killed it, that the Israeli government killed this journalist, but guess what? I love how they frame this too. Strike that killed journalist, Reuters journalist was apparently deliberate. <clears throat> Israel, apparently deliberate Israeli attack, group says. Which, by the way, most people reading these don't read any further than the headline. Which to them, oh, well, somebody said. Probably probably a, a people in Palestine. No, no, it was the Human Rights Watch. <laughs> human rights, a gigantic human rights organization said, yeah, they found that the killed journalist and six colleagues were not near active fighting. And it would have been clearly visible to Israeli forces. What is enough here? How many times have I said this just in this topic? Where is the tipping point? You see, when, when you start to recognize that this is enough for anybody else anywhere in the world to have already been arrested and nothing's happening, not from Trump, not from Biden, not from DeSantis, not from anybody in any leadership position in the U.S. government, not anywhere else in the world, not even the major human rights groups. Why is nobody actually trying to marshal this into some kind of accountability? I, I'm just talking about go Israel. There's got to be somebody in Israel that is willing to actually address this with what they've done. There's people that speak up that want Netanyahu to power. Do something about it. These people deserve to be in prison for this one thing alone. Not even getting into the, God only knows how many are actually being killed in, his, in Gaza right now. Unbelievable. Deliberately murdered this journalist. And over 60 journalists have been killed in the Israel-Gaza war. My friend was one of them, this writer says for the New York Times. Oh, and another interesting point. I was trying to find the Wayback Machine version of this. Let's just, just look how this works. This is always how this goes. So this is posted on December 3rd. The same day, they just literally changed the title entirely to losing your life for doing your job. And somebody said, come on, that's stupid. Go back to the real, like, whatever happened. And then they changed it back the next day. This is the state of current journalism, like mainstream journalism. That would have been cat catastrophically embarrassing back when we pretended, you know, two sources and, you know, every single minute change had to have a little note and whatever. They don't care anymore. It's just, it's a game of propaganda. Like, cause this title was a little bit too harsh at the moment, probably. And somebody from Israeli, you know, a lobbying group said, wow, you can't say that. We don't, my opinion, obviously, but I just think it's hilarious. Now on one more point about why I think this is actually so easy, like, why it's so obvious that these are manipulated, that everything's being manipulated. The, the social media, the people in positions of power. This is just one example, but we know how all of this works. And we'll even get to an APAC point in a moment. But Grace caught something really interesting. She got wind of it. Uh, I think that actually the image is right here. <laughs> of course, it doesn't show it right now. You got to be kidding me. Let me see. Oh, okay, it just says removed. That's the wrong one. Well, okay, anyway, oh, there it is right there. Somebody, so she finds out that advertising agencies, which we've already talked about, are paying social media influencers a lot of money to promote stories about Israel in a positive light. Think about that. So they have to literally pay people 
to say things like this because it's that one. Everybody anywhere sees this. And I've been saying this from the beginning. The people right now that are, that are, and I'll get to some of the examples, embarrassingly still trying to gaslight for Israel. It's pretty much the people that have an agenda and everybody else is either quiet or calling this out. It's really embarrassing. And Grace got reached out to saying, hey, I'm from Movers Community. Wanted to personally reach out to, to for a paid opportunity with the goal of promoting a positive view of Israel. So in other words, can we bribe you to be say something good about Israel? And of course, Grace has integrity. So she said, does anyone know? First of all, she pointed it out. They censored it. And she says, does anyone know what the community notes said before they censored it? <clears throat> and he simply says, I remember seeing three notes on it. One of them, first of all, was the claim that you were lying about the website because it was an Israeli furniture company. See my point? So people are just constantly trying to get, and that's how the community notes have been weaponized. We've seen this the whole time. Right now, you're getting very one-sided, only pro-Israel points as far as I can tell. People that are lying through their teeth in provable ways get nothing, even though people tag community notes when it has to do with a, a negative light for Israel. The other two, it says, were addressed and they were no note needed, which whatever that means. So as I, this seems like a coordinated thing, in my opinion. But her point where they, they removed the post after, they, and that's where there's the community notes and it says only visible to note contributors. That's very weird. And he says, they, they proposed a community note. Too bad it's gone. I wish I had been able to view the proposed note. <clears throat> and he, I agree. So this is highly coordinated activity. You may consider redacting the, the uh, and names and reposting it. But the point is they've now removed that post. It's hilarious. And the idea being that this is about showing that they're paying people to, to say good things about Israel. Why is that being censored? Because it's, I think we know why. Now, one other point is the same kind of thing. You know, the whole game about you're not allowed to say from the river to the sea, <clears throat> right? Well, here's a video posted all over Twitter that, that Elon doesn't seem to care about, which in no way am I actually asking him to censor it, just pointing out the contradiction, which I've already made clear. It literally says from the river to the sea, Israel will, will Israeli sovereignty in the, in the um, Likud founding documents, which is Netanyahu's party, you know? And so the point is that they're claiming it's a, only about genocide, except as... Dan Cohen points out, well, when Zionists say it, and he's simply saying it is a call for genocide, they're projecting. But my point is that this is completely okay from Twitter's perspective. They can literally sing a song about from the river to the sea, Israel going to be free. Why is it only genocide in one direction, right? And he tags Elon and surprise, surprise, nothing. People have tagged community notes. Nobody cares. Nobody cares because this is not what it appears to be. Now, in this together, this is Ian Davis, put out a great article for the Geopolitics and Empire. Was Al-Aqsa flood, and this was the name for the Hamas operation into Israel, or rather specifically into first the settlements that are legally occupied, or really all of it's legally occupied, but was it a false flag? And it says elements within the Israeli state were willing to allow the attack to proceed. Possibly a let it happen on purpose false flag terror attack, the LIHOP false flag. And before we get into the article itself, only one point I wanted to make, don't forget, I'll include these for everybody to go through themselves if you haven't seen it. WikiLeaks is already verified. This is a real document. Does that then prove that it's something that they're abiding by? But I think it's obvious because every single point in this plan is what's happening. And it's simply an advent, um, adaptation of the decisive plan from 2017 by Schmotrich. What it is, it's about first driving them to the south and then driving them into the Sinai Desert. 
which by the way is what they're now calling for. So it's very obvious. WikiLeaks verified the document is from the Israeli intelligence ministry of intelligence. Then we have the U.S. Congress part of this, the secret U.S. Congress plan to forcibly displace all Palestinians and to use foreign aid to force them. We talked about this in this show. The point was Turkey, Iraq, Yemen, and Egypt. They all get foreign aid from the U.S. government. The plan is to say, well, if you don't take them, we'll withhold that foreign aid that you need. But if you take them, we'll give you more foreign aid. See the point? This is how this is weaponized. This is why these countries that get in these deals are always manipulated. Or sort of how many foreign policy experts have made clear what the U.S. government does is when they occupy or, you know, help a country, they make, they force them to basically outsource what they need from the other countries, then force the country to produce what the U.S. needs. So then at any moment in time when they suddenly don't want to go along with what the U.S. agenda is, they pull the rug out. That country can no longer succeed on its own because they've outsourced all the necessities to foreign countries bringing it in, which they get charged over the top for. And that doesn't hurt. That hurts the people and enriches the oligarchs, which is what they always do. That's just part of the plan. Here was the other one. Netanyahu. And all of these are documented things, verified documents directly from these people. Netanyahu, Biden's administration. It says Netanyahu draws up a new plan to, quote, thin the population in Gaza to a minimum. Very clear. It's amazing how we can have all these plans in real public, in the public eye, and we all debate whether they want to kill them all. We're living in an illusion. These are people from the government, from the, the media top. It's, how, how do we deny that? If we have these provable entities, or rather documents, that very clearly outline that they want to do these things, we can see that that's what's happening, and they just go, no, that's not true. We're doing this. So you're listening to the narrative when you can see it's happening, when they've got plans for it, and they've been looking at them and talking about them for years. That is willful ignorance. They know that. They're trying to manipulate you with it. The New Arab writes, Jewish far-right groups are now demanding the restoration of complete Jewish control over Al-Aqsa and Jerusalem and the removal of the Islamic walk authority from the holy site which I believe is the overlap with uh, Jordan, I believe. And, and the point is, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is why we're seeing them plant Israeli flags all over the places they're going through in Gaza because they're going to give it all back to them and let them go home as Netanyahu lied. No, because they're taking this territory. Mr. Propagandist himself says Israeli flag in Palestine Square, in quotes. They're not even hiding it, guys. This is a crime. No matter what justification you think you have, the international community has always maintained this, and this is a crime. You are continuing to take the territory that is Palestine. They don't care. And doing so, they're driving all these people into desperate situations and death. And it's Hamas's fault, apparently, even though I don't see any example of him even killing one of them this entire time. But this is all part of the plan. Now, Middle East Monitor points out, in the meantime, in the process... Which, oh, by the way, the point to this is that when you talk about Al-Aqsa and Jerusalem, that includes the West Bank. So Jordan made it clear that if you start displacing people from the West Bank, that means war. That was their term. So understand, these groups that seem to basically be driving the bus, the extremist elements of the certain of the current party that are running all this, or the, or the current co coalition, they want this. And now their groups and their extremists are screaming for it. And these settlers are being allowed to beat up and rape and torture and murder. I mean, it's right now, in real time, people in, in West Bank. So on top of that, 
Israel has approved 1,738 settlement units in occupied Jerusalem. What do you think that means? How does that not amount to more displacement of Palestinians in the West Bank? It does. Do you realize that there's just, just one of these kibbutz areas that houses however many people, these huge little communities? That's one. That's one. They want to do 1,738 of those in the West Bank. You understand what that means? I mean, guys, this is deliberate. This is them trying to ethnically cleanse the area through mass displacement, through forced displacement. This has never been legal. It's always been a crime. Even the U.S. government box when they do it, but they don't stop them. Here we are again. In the middle of all of this, this is a war on Palestine. They know it. You know it. The governments know it. They don't care. They're part of it. Now, here's the article from Ian Davis. Was Al-Aqsa flood a false flag? Now, there's only basically 99% of this we've been through in one direction or another. I wanted to include it because he's a great writer. He also writes for Whitney as well. And every point in this is important, and it's well-sourced. I just don't want to be redundant and go through all the other things we've talked about. But go through it. Make sure you read this. It's important. But I wanted to get to two main points of this. First one. Oh, I think this just, I think I lost the, of course I did. The end here, it says, was it a false flag? It says, we know that Israel did not act on any of the many warnings it received, including some from Hamas itself. Al-Aqsa flood was eminent. Instead, it left crucial surveillance controls like the Nahal Oz and key definitive military posts like Riem dangerously exposed at precisely the wrong moment. These so-called failures appear to have been too numerous to have happened by chance. Some degree of Israeli state complicity seems likely. Such speculation does not infer that Hamas was incapable of planning and executing operation. I think it was down here more. Right here. Searching for the truth is not an act of disrespect to the memory of those. Well, I, I hate that he has to say all this. Like, if you read the beginning, it's like you have to bend over backwards to go through like 11 paragraphs saying, if I say terrorism, that doesn't mean, like, oh, just really quickly, I'll show you. It's just so frustrating that because the, the honest, intelligent people do not play these games. First, as he says, Israel refers to the Israeli government and its intelligence defense forces. It is not a reference to the people of Israel or the Jewish people in general. You see my point? That's, how, that's the corporate media with their clumsy, lazy talking points making this the way people think. Or that Zionism somehow means all Jewish people. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. He says, no, Zionism means it's the supporters, both Jewish and non-Jewish, of the political goals of Zionism. Nothing more. Like, he has to lay these out because people that are maybe, in, you know, good intentioned, who don't know this, might read this thinking when he says Zionism, he means Jews, right? When he means Israel, he means the people in the country. He doesn't. He's talking about what the words actually mean. Like, for instance, Hamas means the active members of Hamas, right? Not everybody in Gaza or the Gaza people. Fourth, the terrorist, right? He's saying it says uh, has a very clear definition. It has been given a consensus definition, but or no, it does not have a clear definition, but it's been given a consensus by the governments who always avoid using the term when they are the ones committing terrorist acts. Exactly. And he's saying that basically using the word terrorist to discuss them is... that. He says, in referring to them as terrorists, there's no tacit approval of the terrorist attack. It's simply to comply with international law. Hamas fighters would have had to have make necessary distinction between combatants. Now, the point is, the evidence is still fleshing out. And that is honest, regardless of the screaming talking points of how you're insulted by X, Y, and Z. He's just an honest reporter, and that's why it's hard for propagandists to not be upset when you read this. 
But to the point at the end, it's simply saying, the state of Israel has cited the, the Al-Aqsa flood as the causes belly for its latest round of genocide. Rumors circulating that the IDF and Israeli military intelligence had supposedly lost all of its relevant footage, you know, right out of like Epstein, 9-11, it's all the same stuff. And communication intercepted recordings of the initial phase. The IDF command was quick to quash those rumors, they claim, but its official explanation is no less suspicious. It stated that the recordings were, quote, preserved and accessible to relevant parties. Oh, and this was the point saying, oh, no, it's still right here. It added that the video and audio recordings had been, quote, blocked to those who are not required to deal with them. Isn't that suspicious? This apparently represents a significant and inexplicable elevation of the necessary security clearance. That's never happened before. The Jerusalem Post reported that when the IDF operatives, including relatively senior IDF officers, tried to access the recordings in order to analyze events and hopefully discover why this might have happened, they found their normal permissions had been restricted. They were no longer authorized to high-level senior IDF members. You know exactly what that means, at least how it, the perception. Based on all the other evidence, I think it's very clear. Something they were hiding. Some of the recordings the Jerusalem Post wrote, wrote has have either disappeared or were simply downloaded from the network and relocated under the directives of commanding officers. <laughs> right. Consequently, we are unable to access them. It seems that someone made a deliberate choice to either transfer or delete these recordings to ensure that no one could listen to them. Come on, guys. How crazy is that? The picture of what happened on October 7th is not as clear cut as we have been led to believe. The evidence suggests that elements within the Israeli state were willing to allow the attack to proceed, if not be a part of it, which is also possible. It is distinctly possible that Alex Flood was a lie hop, false flag, or let it happen on purpose. I think, I think that's very important. Now, my point in all of this is the evidence is overwhelming from the time that it took, from the unprecedented actions around, from the warnings from a year ago to months before, to people trying to inform their officers, being told they'll be brought to trial if they keep bringing up the warnings, to the eight-hour window, eight windows, to the security team between the Kibbutz Ba'ere and the festival at a time when there was apparently nobody standing at these gates, which I haven't seen anybody else bring up, by the way. That CNN video made it clear there was a security team checkpoint that they ran head on into, which it seems clear that they shot those hostages in many cases at a time when there was still nobody manning these checkpoints in the main areas. So you're telling me a security checkpoint was ready and waiting for these people that it seems they maybe wanted to shoot when there was nobody over here. So they knew clearly, but did not do anything in the main places. That's how do you, how do you explain that? Now, Paul M. Davis makes it clear in his opinion. He says it's now indisputable that Israel knew of Hamas's attack plan for an entire year. They had a 40-page Intel document codenamed Jericho Wall described the exact details of the attack plan that Hamas followed to a T, which to me almost more so suggests that Israel was involved. Right? But it, the point is what we can prove, at, you have to acknowledge this was at least an allowed-to-happen concept. Now, that could be for many reasons. It could be enemies, enemies of Netanyahu who wanted to let it happen to, to push him out of office, right? It could be an internal dispute, or it could be a whole of Israel government action to be able to justify the ethnic cleansing they've always wanted. And then the, the, the bonus of pipelines and, and oil reserves. I mean, the point is that it's, those are things that we should keep trying to flesh out. But we, what we can see, this should have already been clearly discussed. They knew it. They allowed it. 
According to the IDF, Mossad officials, they didn't act on it because they didn't believe that Hamas had the capability. And he says, think about that for a second. Why exactly? Oh, I mean, he goes on to say, Israel constantly claims that Hamas is an existential threat to justify the $4 billion, way more this year, that it receives from USA, from your tax dollars. Well, if Hamas is such a dire existential threat to Israel, then why didn't it take the intelligence seriously? See, that's my point. It's an intelligent person can see the contradictions in plain sight. Instead, they did the opposite. They removed their troops from the Gaza wall, relied on remote controlled tech that they knew Hamas planned to take out. You can't tell me this wasn't an inside job to give Israel an excuse to finally do what it's always wanted to do and take Gaza for itself to exploit the oil and gas deposits and so on and so on. Well, we talked about this. The point is that it's obvious that something is awry here. Now, it's certainly also possible that the killing of them, the genocide being committed, is all meant to shock you away from realizing the biggest crime here. Well, debatably biggest now with the genocide of thousands, tens of thousands of people. But evidence shows Israel killed its own citizens on the 7th. We discussed this on October 27th because it's easy to prove. Here's just one example of Haaretz saying very clearly, it also showed that military helicopters fired at its and, and hit some people at the concert. But you don't need that. You have the people at the Kabuspa area on the record saying that they shot hostages. You got two people that survived saying, yes, we saw them shoot hostages. You know how people are coming back from Gaza saying, yes, we saw them kill people and you were trying to kill us when we were there. We'll get to that next. Here is another one. Angelo Giolani, uh, Giolani points out, Israeli army commander admits they handcuffed two couples inside the house, then used tanks to destroy the building. 15 civilians were burned to death, including eight babies. Here's what he says. Men, two women, handcuffed. And inside this, this, uh, this house were another 15 burned people, among them eight babies. In this form. They were concentrated them. And they uh, killed them and they burned them. Our tanks um, uh, attack. Fired on them. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were blocked in these houses and we need to uh, to conquer back the whole settlement. And okay. it couldn't be happened without the tanks. And, and this is what we've already been admitted to. or ha- we've already, It's already been admitted. That they needed to take that back. They, that's been stated by the the tank. The, 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 there's the we also have, by the way, the 25 year old girls that openly admitted that yes, we well first they were said they were told to fire on the tanks or on the houses with tanks. Then they said, well, other civilians. Then literally on the record said, we don't know. Shoot anyway. Then the girl says, well, I got out and opened on opened fire on the house with my gun instead. And then the other guy says they fired their tanks. So yes. Every which way you look at this, they admitted to firing on these people. But here's the other side of it. In a meeting of the Israeli Finance Committee, Noam Dan, who still has family held in Gaza right now, says, quote, we know for sure that three people were killed by our fire. Right. So this is also now very clear. People that were there have admitted that Israeli fire on the area where hostages were held which is what we're telling you, that they either didn't know they were there because they are, they don't know where they are in Gaza, or when you realize it's the most surveilled place on the planet, that they did know they were there and bombed them anyway. Hannibal Directive. 
that they don't care about these people. We've been telling you that from the beginning. If they're bombing this area, they don't care about the hot. And that's what Israelis are saying. And they're telling him right now, we know for sure that you've killed three people. So that what they're arguing here is you're continuing to claim that you're doing this to save hostages. We know that's not true because your bombing is killing them. At the very least, it's secondary to your objective about Gaza. They are calling them out. And we just talked about this. Freed Israeli captives admitted more fear of the IDF bombs than Hamas and, and provable lies in the rape allegation. We'll briefly touch on that in a second. Here is an important article from The Cradle. This is from two days ago. Quote, we feared our government would kill us and blame Hamas. Released Israeli captives admit. Now this is well-sourced as well. It's all highlighted so you can't see it, but all the links are here directly to Israeli corporate media people. There's no dismissing this because, oh, The Cradle, we don't like The Cradle. There's always somebody that wants to do that. Oh, The Cradle, you mean that, that bunk fake news site. If you're going to dismiss something based on the name of a website without even looking at what they're presenting, that's you being stupid. It's the same as dismissing because Fox News or CNN said it. If you don't look first to find out if there's any kind of source material, you're choosing to be willfully ignorant, despite how often they lie. Here's what it says. A recently released Israeli captive held in Gaza revealed that she feared Israel would kill her and others through indiscriminate shelling and then blame Hamas, according to Ynet News, an Israeli publication on December 6th. Manir Oz made the statement in a meeting between her and other recently released captives and their family members on, on, on the one hand and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his war captain on the other. So this is that same dynamic keep seeing. They're, they're, it's like, I think it's the Knesset setup where there, you have the cabinet sitting there and then these are the, 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 the family members that are basically petitioning them to stop firing and bring their family home. And they yell at them saying, you don't have a, a what, what is it? I think it was Ben Gavir that said, you don't have a, 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 like a, you don't corner the market on all suffering. Like literally didn't care that they were suffering and said, you don't have a right to make us feel bad. Like this is what they actually say to the people saying, stop bombing, you're killing our families. And then Biden calls you a racist because you're not allowing them to keep firing. Which, by the way, I'll just go ahead and say, because we'll get to it in a minute. The U.S. government did definitely veto the ceasefire. I know it's the title, actually, but the point is they don't care. They're continuing to allow this to continue. The U.S. was one of the only, I think, the only group that vetoed the ceasefire. Now it says... During the meeting, the released captives and family members expressed anger at Netanyahu for his war policy, which put their lives in danger. Quote, I was there and I know how hard it is in captivity. Every day in captivity was very difficult. I was in a home when there was shelling all around. We were sitting in the tunnels and we were terribly afraid that not Hamas, but Israel would kill us. She was very clear. She's speaking to Netanyahu. And then they would say, Hamas killed you. Isn't that exactly what I was saying and be called, being called an anti-Semite for? Yeah. So I very much ask, as she says, as soon as possible to start exchanging the prisoners and everyone should return home. Even she called the prisoners. There is no priority. Everyone is important. They're telling them, stop what you're doing. Bring our people home. You're killing people. And they believe that they're dishonest enough to say they would. They, Hamas killed you. They see them just like we do. Bar Goldstein told what his family members who returned from captivity in Gaza described to him. Quote, fortunately, he says, I had the privilege of receiving my sister-in-law, uh, Chen, and her children. They were, a, uh, they were under constant threat from the IDF shelling. He told Netanyahu that, quote, you sat in front of us and assured us that it does not threaten their lives. He lied to them. 
In fact, I quite frankly still believe that they intended to make sure they didn't come home. Same thing we're going to get into with the pumping the water down the tunnels. You think that's not going to put their families' lives at threat? They know it will. By the way, which is already happening, despite how the corporate media went dark on it after they said they were thinking about it. They've already done it. They're still doing it, as far as I can tell. He told Netanyahu that, quote, or I just said that, the shelling was dangerous because the captives were not held in just tunnels. This is where it gets important. Not just tunnels and homes, but had been moved on donkey carts through the streets of Gaza, exposing them to the bombing, which has killed almost 16,000 Palestinians since the 7th. So they're telling you they're driving them around and moving locations and, and Israel. You think Israel doesn't see that with the most intensive surveillance in the world? How do they not know they're killing their own people? Think about it. They said, you will, be, you will not be able to recognize them on the street and you are endangering their lives. It is our duty to return them now. These are the people in Israel speaking to Netanyahu. Another captive who was released with her children also expressed anger at the army's shelling of the location where she was held in Gaza and that Israeli Apache helicopters had opened fire at them as they were being tar- taken from their home across the border into Gaza. It's uh, another person has come forward and said, you were shooting at us as we were being taken into Gaza. She said, the, free, the feeling we had, there was that no one was doing anything for us. The fact is that I was in a hiding place that was shelled and we had to be smuggled out while we were wounded. You hear that? So they were bombed by Israel, which wounded them. And it was Hamas that moved them away. Now, wouldn't you argue that if it was everything Israel said that they would let them die so they could blame it on Israel? It seems pretty clear based on these people's testimony that Hamas was doing everything it could to stop them from being killed by IDF bombings. That's not my opinion being framed there. That's what they're saying which of course could be entirely different from the rest of them that come out. But I don't know. Why would we assume it? Why wouldn't we take what we can currently see and at least acknowledge that it could be just like that in the rest of the conversation? She also expressed anger that the army was discussing flooding the tunnels under Gaza with seawater to kill Hamas fighters while her husband and others remain captive in the same tunnels. She says, quote, my husband was separated from us three days before we returned to Israel and he was taken to the tunnels. Are you... And you are talking about flooding the tunnels with seawater. Are you shelling the root of tunnels in the exact area where they are? She's straight up calling them out, guys. A December 6th report from the Gray Zone further indicates freed Israeli captives feared being killed, we just told you, by their own army while in Gaza. According to a Facebook post by Israeli television producer Hagai Levy, quote, from the reports of the returned abductees, it is repeated that the most horrifying captivity trauma they experienced was the IDF bombings. And yet you're hearing the exact opposite from all the Eli Davids and Ben Shapiro's and all the liars out there because whoever's directing them, they're telling them the wrong things. And you get the Israeli government saying exactly the opposite. I mean, it literally the Israel account on Twitter or the IDF account on Twitter taking weird screenshots and going, look at how much they were tortured. And they're literally saying the opposite. They're the ones using these people, guys. Levy stated further that, quote, when they tell about them, they literally tremble in front of me. She's taught, and this, then they show the clip of them scared and say, look at what Hamas did to them. While they're admitting it was the IDF bombing that made them feel that way. That's the kind of propaganda we're dealing with. The terms are of hell, of the brink of death, of an earthquake, of noise from another planet, which also caused permanent hearing damage. 
All these things they keep highlighting that were somehow site like byproducts of what Hamas did all seem to stem from what Israel was possibly intentionally doing to them. The fear of being murdered by the captors was zero compared to the fear of dying in the bombing. Prime Minister Netanyahu, that was their quote. Prime Minister Netanyahu has vowed to both win the return of all the Israelis held captive by Hamas and also to defeat the Palestinian resistance groups militarily. But of course, many who have a brain can view these view these as contradictory goals and suggest the captives can only be freed through a ceasefire followed by negotiations. So who exactly is Netanyahu acting on behalf of? Who exactly is the Israeli military acting on behalf of? If their people are calling for a ceasefire, demanding their people be freed, the vast majority of the Israeli population are doing the same. The majority of every population seems to be doing the same. Who exactly is fighting this war? I think you know. It's obviously not for freedom. It's obviously not to defend yourself against terrorists. This is about the Zionist agenda and taking this territory. That's not to say that Hamas is innocent. Clearly things happen. But again, all the things that you think happened on the 7th are now obviously flavored with the Israeli government allowing it to happen or just the simple reality that Israel had been funding them per admission of, of Netanyahu himself, which I'll get to again in a second. Hamas is seeking to exchange its Israeli captives for thousands of Palestinians held captive in Israeli occupation prisons, which, by the way, as I've said, and it's now been proven, has been on the table since day one. Netanyahu lied about it, which then shows you they didn't want these people back. He only admitted that when he was forced to, then broke the ceasefire and didn't. And I mean, every step of the way, they have shown that they don't care about these people. And here's he's, he, even a Haaretz article. Six Israeli hostages held by Hamas confirmed killed in captivity, which, of course, the entire thing is implying that Hamas did this. But we know that's not the case based on the admission of other hostages. It's pretty simple, guys. And here's Eli David still trying to use these people. So I said the same thing before. Hamas had already told Israel that these, this family was killed by Israeli bombings. That's the Bibas family. The two redhead children and the mother. They, they already said this. They said they were killed. And that was when they were trying to give those bodies back. Right? There's a reason that Israel went immediately. There was right when they figured, I, I believe when they were told that they immediately made a propaganda push to use these children's faces to push them out. There's a reason that these two children became the focal point for about a few days. At that point, they already knew they were dead. You could argue that Hamas killed them and lied about it. My point is Israel already knew that and then went on a push to pretend that their goal was to get them home, knowing they wouldn't come home. Think about how gross that is. And here's Eli David doing the same gross thing as he always does. The baby is still held hostage. He says that when they already know that they've been killed. Sadly, how disgusting that is. And they refuse to release him in a hostage deal. No, they tried to give the bodies back and Israel refused and then tried to gaslight and point in other directions to claim something else happened because they didn't want anyone to know that. Now, be very why we need to state this, I think it's an obvious reality, but just because people like Eli are going to try to misrepresent everything, obviously this was a crime. You Taking any civilian is a war crime. And yes, Hamas should be absolutely accountable for that. That does not then remove the fact that Israel bombings killed these families. And as I said, sadly, they were killed by Israeli airstrikes. Even released Israelis are admitting this. Now, here's another interesting dynamic. Speaking to the people that were taken or involved in that October 7th, this is an image 
recently been out. And I'm wondering, I wonder how much Israel has that we're not seeing that proves the things we're talking about. This is Shawnee Luke. At the moment, in this picture, still alive. And I, I don't, I frankly don't think she's alive now. I, again, my hypothesis based on the evidence we can prove, it seems to me that she was shot in this location or somewhere during this by IDF, or it could have been by Hamas, but in the crossfire. Hamas then, according to Newsweek, took her to a hospital that her mother said was that was the case. And that hospital, days later, was shut down due to fuel and bombed. They And we're seeing babies left behind. Why do we, why would we assume it seems quite likely that Israel is doing this where these people are guys. So here's an image of her alive next to a tank of the Israeli forces. So explain this for me. So you have an, an Israel tank that they're hiding by, and we're supposed to pretend that they then took them by the tank or did something else happen? Did they not want these people to admit what they saw? I think it's important for us to ask that today. Now, the U.S. is it's, it's weird dynamic over the process of, the, of yesterday into today. I think this was leading into the ceasefire veto, which we all knew was going to happen. The U.S. government says no deadline on the IDF to end the Gaza war. Basically saying you take as long as you need while you're murdering children because we're OK with that. But then, of course, it was like, wait, wait, no, no. Biden said they have to a year. I heard another one. Another group said 25 days. I think all over the map. But they said, they said, Times of Israel said, no, no, he said a year. You have a whole year to keep ethnically cleansing them. But then, but then, no, you got to stop. I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. Think about how grotesque that is to go, go. I mean, what, what do you think a year is going to do? Like, really ask yourself, if you're out, okay, if you're saying kill less children, which is what they're saying, please lessen how many children, why would it be a year? You think that's going to not happen in a year? Like this is, this is obviously showing you that they are not going to stop what's happening. That's complicit. But then of course it went back and said, no, no, wait. He says they haven't given a deadline. So just so you're clear, as if it was either better, oh, you have a year. No, 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 you have no deadline. Take as long as you need Netanyahu. That's what, that's what the ending point was. And just to make it even more clear, so you understand why that's so important. This is the Jewish news syndicate saying Biden is the primary obstacle to Israeli victory. Why? Well, in case you didn't know this, it says Israel cannot fight the war without U.S. resupply of the IDF. It's just like Ukraine, isn't it? As a consequence, Israel is beholden to the administration's directives. You might not know this. It might seem like the exact opposite. Now, technically, when you're talking about influence, it might very well might be. But when we're talking about military support, it's obvious that the U.S. government, if they were to stop funding this, were arming, they wouldn't be able to continue. So quite literally, the U.S. government has the ability to stop this today. They chose not to. They chose to actually veto the ceasefire even. My point is they could just stop arming them, saying, well, you're committing war crimes. And nobody in this country wants that, so we're going to stop giving you their money. But no, of course not, because Biden's a coward. But it says Israel's dependence on the United States was stated bluntly by retired IDF Major General. In a recent interview, here's what he says, quote, all of our missiles, the ammunition, the precision guided bombs, all the airplanes and bombs, it's all from the U.S. How in the world does that make sense? Because we are just being bled dry by a foreign power that has complete control over the government. 
How else do you see this? And of course, they would love to make that about racism. It's not. It's about another political party that's influencing our government, like all sorts of governments are trying to do. And it happens to be a Zionist entity. The reason the whole racist overlay comes out is because they're desperate that you don't see that. The minute they turn off the tap, it says you can't keep fighting. You have no capability. Everyone understands that we can't fight this war without the United States, period. Then it says his demand, Biden's, that Israel minimize Palestinian civilian casualties endangers IDF soldiers and renders the expansion of the ground offensive into central and southern Gaza, where the bulk of Hamas's forces are now located, wherever they're currently at is where they are apparently, almost impossible to carry out. So just hear what they're saying there. Not just all he's saying is minimize civilian casualties. They go, no, we can't do that. That puts us in danger. That puts our whole operation in danger. So if you understand how language works, that means that they're not minimizing civilian casualties because that would hinder what they want to accomplish. So you are murdering civilians, and that is okay and clearly part of the plan. It's as simple as it's ever been. 972 Magazine article, which admitted that coming from eight, seven current and former IDF members, admitting they're targeting them, admitting they do it just to bring down buildings. But yeah, we can't take facts and run with a story. We got to listen to narrative from Netanyahu, right? So if the U.S. government wanted to end this now, they could, but they're not. That's, if you have, if you, that's complicity if I've ever seen it. And just one quick note on that. So what we're talking about is the endless, nonstop bombing, round-the-clock engagement, murdering civilians day by day. What was it? Something like 100 to 200 children a day, something like 700 people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's grotesque. It's worse than anything we've ever seen, and we all know that. But it's okay, though, because Hamas and Human Shields is whatever they say. Really, the truth is that whatever they say, it doesn't change the reality that this is a crime, no matter what they say. But bombing, relentless bombing, nonstop, all over civilians. And even if you want to pretend that you agree, Hamas, therefore we can kill civilians, they, you're killing civilians. Tens of thousands of civilians, after, day after day. Okay. Also, don't forget that they're the ones telling you right now the UN is Hamas, right? Both IDF, Israel, and all their propagandist, Eli Davids, the one I showed you last time. Showing you, literally stating, these people are tools of Hamas. Or, as he put it, they are Hamas. Right? Okay. So just so we understand that's what they're doing. Here's the IDF calling on the group they just said are Hamas and going, hey, Hamas, did you hear a loud noise yesterday? That was the sound of 12 Hamas rockets launched toward Israel civilians in southern Israel. The reason they said launched toward is because nothing happened. Because 99% of these land in open fields. And the point is, it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what's happening in Gaza. If it even causes damage. Mind you, understand that. But the sound of these rockets, man, it made us stressed out. That's what they usually hear. But what they're saying is, hey, UN, why aren't you calling this out? 12 rockets that were fired. Hamas is the enemy of humanity and makes itself a threat to the entire world by firing 12 rockets that cause no damage in an area that is currently bombing and committing genocide in Gaza. That's a threat to the whole world. But the point is, is the UN Hamas or not? Do you want them to take action? If they do, are you okay with that? Will you support it? How does that make sense if you just told us they're working for Hamas? The point is Israel lies about anything all the time, just like the U.S. government does. Either the, the point that I made before, 
if a resolution comes out from the UN they like, well, we support it and we'll back it and we'll defend it to the death and say, you have to abide by what the UN says. But if the UN says something they don't like, well, they're racist and nobody believes in them and they're always working. It's all or nothing all the time. So either you want the UN to do something or you think they're Hamas. You can't play it both ways, but they do all the time because they're ridiculous. And the larger point about, what is it, 6,000 tons of bombs? That was when before the ceasefire. But, you know, 12 rockets, no damage. Woo! I'm stressed out over here. I think somebody skinned their knee in Israel. War crimes. Disgusting. And here's that point right here. Eli David. Here he is calling out the recent discussion of him saying, well, more than 130 UN members have been killed. And he goes, how many of them working for Hamas? How many of them were firing rockets at the UN from UN facilities? Does he have evidence for any of this? No, of course not. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying that they just blatantly stated this way after the fact. My point was they've now killed 100 members and they're not even claiming anything. They didn't say the UN is Hamas. They only pushed that out once it became impossible to hide the fact that they'd killed 130 members of the UN. That's how this game is played. Ample evidence shows, no, it doesn't. But here's how it goes on. We are not terrorists. Community notes, yes, you are. Here's the evidence. And what are they showing? The idea that this is evidence of them being a a terrorist is hilarious. And again, I am literally the last person supporting the United Nations as a body. I support the reality, facts. Whether that ends up supporting, as you see it, somebody that we don't agree with. The facts are facts. What it says here is, the headmaster of the, the United Nations school was a terrorist. This Reuters article says, and if you read the article, what does it tie to? The U.S., the Israeli government making an allegation they report as absolute fact. It's exactly what we always show you. Or a film in Janine where their policies and practices, where they claim it implies they're working with them. It's the same way they tried to tell you that these people being present in this building that they said has a tunnel, therefore means they're all Hamas. This is what they always do. Oh, look at this one. United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency teachers celebrating on October 7th because to them, that means they want to kill all Jews. No, you absolute moron. It means they're celebrating the fact that Palestine was fighting back against its occupier. And at the time they were celebrating, how are you pretending they knew everything that had happened in Israel? Like these people are willfully stupid. They know that though. They don't want, it's a narrative control. It's all of these, read them all for yourself, guys. It's absurd. And then even let's even say this even further. Let's just say one of these members ended up doing something or part of Hamas. Does that then mean every member of the UN or this agency is Hamas? No, because that would be a really childish, naive assumption. It could mean that, but you should prove it. But this guy's not in the business of proving anything. This is the point I was making. He's saying they are Hamas. It's just stupid. So why is the IDF asking Hamas to do something? Yeah, really stupid. So here is one of these really ridiculous people. He's a government spokesperson for Israel who's lying about literally everything he puts out. He says, you too, can you, well, let's actually, before we read what he said, let's play this. Cynthia Nixon on The View. Well, I don't want to play it, actually. It's two minutes. But what it says is, oh, you know what? I think I will. Yeah, I did decide to grab it. I was trying to make it quick. And there's some of the videos I'm not going to play today. But here's what she says. Yesterday, I went on The View and discussed why we desperately need a permanent ceasefire. Isn't it interesting how much they've lost control of the narrative that even these milk toast morning shows are basically, you know, they, they lost control of this. That doesn't mean it's not going to be used into some new agenda. But these, this is, she's stepping up and saying, we need a ceasefire to save the lives 
of innocent people. The mother of two Jewish children uh, whose grandparents are Holocaust survivors. And my oldest son in particular, he really has been reaching out to my wife and I and asking us, imploring us really, to say, use your voice to um, affirm as loudly as you can that never again means never again for anyone. We've seen the deaths of over 16,000 civilians, Palestinians in Gaza, which include over 7,000 children. And to put that in some kind of a context, that is more civilians than were killed by the U.S. and its allies in almost 20 years of war in Afghanistan. And the images coming out of Gaza, the children who, are, who have no water, who have no food, who have no homes, who have no um, shelter of any kind, weeping over the, um, the bodies of their slain parents. Um, this is, I mean, as I say every time I speak about this, what Hamas did was terror, brutal and terror and unforgivable. But I don't think we get to a better place with more civilian deaths. And that is why, in my belief, we need a permanent ceasefire right now. I think, I think this is really a moment for moral clarity. And I think we need to look into our hearts and ask ourselves, do Palestinian children deserve the same safety as all other children do? And that's true in and Ukraine course, also. And Let of course the out. answer is, I would hope, yes, they do. Well, we have to talk. I will say this one thing, that the amount of children who have been killed, Palestinian children who have been killed, but just to take about children, Mm -hmm. is now twice as many children as were killed across two dozen war zones in all of last year, in just eight weeks. These are not regular human casualties. This is off the charts. We got, it it needs to stop. We need to, we got got to make this happen stop. Yeah. That's just so, it's just so ridiculous to watch these people. They are so, these are way fair weather reporters. My point in this is, look, it's not, and this is how the simple minded people out there who want to manipulate try to, they always say, oh, Ryan's trusting the view, you know, things like that, which is just really stupid. Obviously not. The point is that what we're highlighting here, in my opinion, is the same reason we always point out that these manipulators are always using emotion to manipulate people like this. If you think for one second the Whoopi Goldbergs of the world are in the know about what's going on, I mean, it's certainly possible, but let's just say every one of them there, most of these people at this table are wildly uninformed who tap into their party talking points and regurgitate what they think they're supposed to be saying. That's what most people do. My point is that they use emotion to to drive these people, which which most of them end up aligning with some kind of an agenda, whether they realize it or not, because of two-party politics, but are still just people who, in many ways, tell themselves they're acting with good intentions. So my point in all of this is because this was so obvious, because Israel went so far over the top and did one of the most obvious genocides we've ever seen, regardless of what anybody in the corporate field and governments are calling it, the average person is, it's, too, it's impossible to miss. So then you get the person like this who has somebody, her son or whoever else who gets in her ear and goes, look at this, look at the information. And she goes, oh my God. 
Someone who doesn't think that they're a manipulator, who's been, just been manipulated, who then see it. You can't take that back. Then they go to people that they know and it spreads. And that's why Israel lost control of this. Now, they're going to try and probably already are to m marshal that into something else. But just realize, guys, this is, the, in my opinion, this is the truth. Not because they're saying it, but because at the moment, their interests, whether it's the view or the people pushing this, happen to align in this moment with what the truth is which will rapidly change very soon. I promise you that. In this moment, I think it's people that realize who are making decisions here that everybody in their audience is on the same page with this. So they can't start going, these aren't the, they wouldn't do what I do. They wouldn't sit down and speak about something they know everyone in the audience is going to disagree with because they believe it. I do that all the time. Well, it's, you guys, not all the time, but it does happen. You guys know there's things I've talked about in the past where a lot of my audience doesn't agree with my take. But I will say it because I think it's important. They'll go along to get along. I think that's obvious. Do you think Whoopi Goldberg would have spoke like that about any, like, do you think when this first started a week in, even if she'd been shown all the same information, she would have said, yeah, we got to stop this now. No, because the, the popular narrative at that time was we have to defend ourselves. Israel's the right to defend itself. That's what she was saying then. Now she's just saying whatever she's supposed to say. These people, I don't think they all know that either. In any case. This is what she said. Here is what the Israeli government said about her. A Jewish woman who is literally calling on the, the, the common phrase from the Holocaust. Never again. Right? He says, you too can use your voice to demand the survival of the Hamas rapist regime. Is that what she did? As it threatens to repeat its atrocities on October 7th, which they really haven't. You can find the moral courage, like Cynthia Nixon, to demand amnesty for rapists. Guys, this is why they, they are so desperate. They're attacking people that are on their side. This is how wild this has gotten. So my point is, this is somebody who is historically, ideologically, in every way, on the side of supporting Israel. She just It's just too much death for her. She obviously goes, I care about children. I can't allow this. So I guarantee you in her mind, there's probably some kind of, uh, kind of cordon, you know, some kind of uh, compartmentalization of how, you know, this isn't Israel. This is the bad part of it. This is Netanyahu or, you know, whatever. Even though, in my opinion, it is the Israeli Zionist government all in part doing this. But let's just take the first part. Using your voice to demand the survival of Hamas. First, first of all, the rapist regime. These, it's just, you can't, you, you can't even just make a point. You have to kind of shoehorn in three other agendas to make your clumsy narrative because you guys are so desperate. Because the point is, there is literally not a single provable point in regard to the rape discussion. Robert just put out an excellent article just before I went live. By the way, I'll be sharing it out later. But I'm also been covering it extensively. And it's not up for debate. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It means that they have yet to prove any of these allegations. They keep saying it because they point an article. Within the article is a secondhand report about what somebody told them. That's not proof. That is repeating narratives. Now, my point is, de demand the survival. Where did she demand the survival of Hamas? Okay, well, this is where they contorted. If you call for ceasefire, you're supporting Hamas. Well, that's not what she's doing. You don't get to decide what my intentions are, but that's what they want it to be. That's that's like saying murdering these children is defending yourself. They just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until the followers go along with it. And the people that are the sycophants convince the rest of them because of force and negative. And you're a terrorist and you're a racist. But she's not calling for that. She's calling for a ceasefire, which means everybody stops. Not Hamas grows and they have to hold on or Hamas fights. The ceasefire means it all stops. So we can then 
do what they claim is what they want is remove move the civilians out of the way, let them go after that. But they don't want that, guys. Which again, I'm not even saying that's likely. But anyway, the point then goes on. Repeat the atrocities. This argument that they keep saying Hamas continues to say what they keep pointing at whenever they want to make any of these bombastic claims are the leaders of Hamas, some of which live in Qatar, some of which, by the way, all of which have been funded by Israel, which I'll show you again in a second. It's not up for debate. Even Haaretz made the point days after October 7th. He says we fund them with money, and that's our strategic goal to keep them divided. So anything you claim they're doing and are responsible for, that's your government's fault. That's Israel's fault that they did that. That's the only way you can look at that. Now, it's still Hamas's fault, yes, but Israel funded them and allowed them to grow, so there you go. But of course, Elon Levy's never going to tell you that because he's dishonest. But then finally, the point there is we realize that these leaders do not necessarily represent what the Palestinian resistance as a whole, which isn't just Hamas, want. Or the fact that what they're actually talking about are repeating our fight for our own dependence or independence. But to them, that means killing all the Jews. That's all they keep doing. When somebody says, I want to free Palestine, they say that means you want to kill Jews. That's how stupid this has gotten. So here, that's what that means. They're calling for the continuation of their self-determination, of their fight for it. Then, can you find the moral courage, it says, to demand amnesty? That's just a blatant lie. What does amnesty mean? Amnesty literally stands for specifically a pardon for people who have been convicted. You show me anywhere in there that she even suggested or alluded to or or implied that there was supposed to be a pardon for Hamas. At what point does that say, does a ceasefire mean that everyone gets pardoned? No, he knows better. He's just making this as bad as he can because he doesn't want anyone to listen to what she's saying or to take it seriously because it's damning as hell for their agenda. That's what desperation looks like. Now, we just talked about in the discussion of the tunnels briefly on this on this article. This also gets into the AI mass assassination factory. But this is an important conversation. So we're talking about the people that are still there. Israeli citizens who know that their people are being killed are likely possibly being killed by IDF bombings. And that they seem to think the IDF doesn't care if not aims for them. And they said, if you do this, you're flooding that, you're going to kill my my family. They didn't care. So here's what we first saw. This was this was given out, and this is what it reads. And then, for, I had to double check this, because I, I said, that can't be really what it says. And sure enough, it reads, and the flood took them away, and they are wrongdoers. That's what it says. So you're, you're, so you are, are these leaflets meant for Hamas? Well, no, because arguably, then obviously that means that Hamas, like, think about it that way. They're dumping this everywhere. Which, by the way, just kind of is a creepy thing to look at with all of these things filtering down, which who knows what else is on them, right? If you can see that in the screen, all these little leaflets filtering down over Gaza. So if this is meant to be a a targeting Hamas situation, wouldn't you argue that Hamas might get wind of that? Wouldn't that defeat the purpose? Well, yeah, that's pretty stupid. So right there, that seems to suggest they're not going after Hamas, but just Gaza, right? But then on top of that, if it is directed at Hamas, that might you, that you're basically saying the flood took them away and they are wrongdoers, like that might make sense. But seeing as how that's not what they're stating they're for. The reason they've always said they're doing the leaflets is to inform the civilians so they get out of the way. 
That is what they're saying. So just, I was just giving you the alternative thought process. So explain for me why, if these are directed at Palestinians, why it says, and the flood took them away and they are wrongdoers with some biblical passage. It seems like a threat, if you want my honest opinion. And it says, this is quoted from the Quran, and the flood seized them while they were wrongdoers. As they're about to flood the areas in Gaza. Like, it's, I mean, this seems, I don't even know what the right word for, some kind of combination of, like, religious fervor with just hate and, and you know, again, while acting like you're doing something good for people. Now, Abu Bakar Hussein points out, Israel chooses to do this, to use water and flood these areas while people are dehydrating to death. That does seem a little bit insulting, doesn't it? Water into the tunnels. Hope Hamas have their swimming trunks. Everyone's laughing about it, right? No big deal. All these sycophants for Israel that have no idea that they, or rather don't care that it's going to kill their own people. Here is an article from the Daily Mail. First images, this is from two days ago. First images show Israel preparing to flood Hamas tunnels with seawater as troops set up pipes and pumps in Gaza. So that's all we got. Right about the sixth time, like it was just kind of stalled. They're getting ready. That's what we got told. Here's the next day. It's the seventh. Israel considers flooding the tunnels as it pursues top leaders. Okay, here's the eighth. Next day. Three, two days go by. Israel military plans to potentially... See my point? So here's the real thing that I find really telling about all this, which shows you the willful ignorance of the Israeli government or of the of the U.S. media and the U.S. government, knowing that this is happening already. My question is, why don't they want to report on it? So here, this is an attempt. This is already an attempt from two days ago to pump seawater into the tunnels. This is just a video. You can see them already starting the whole process, but this isn't even the most important one. Here is a clip of the, this is specifically of TBN Israel from 17 hours ago. Let me refresh it real quick, make sure it's the right. Uh, it's from one from yesterday. Telling you that they already did this and that they're going to continue to. So if this is publicly discussed, why aren't we hearing from Reuters and AP and everybody else, NBC, the Daily Mail, going, they started flooding the tunnels. Why? Because they know this is not well received. They know that, in my opinion, they know that the Israeli public is going, you're going to kill our families. We know that the international community said, you're going to kill people. You're going to destroy the environment. You're going to spread all sorts of dangerous particles all over the area. Yeah. And that's why they were... I argue, coordinated, quiet. Here's them telling you they've already done it. 62 says the Islamist Palestinian Hamas organization carried out a surprise terror attack against Israeli civilians. As they show you all the pictures of tanks that have blown up houses, because, you know, Hamas, right? In communities surrounding the Gaza Strip. And, and, and an ISIS flag that's a, <laughs> it's just one of the most, there's a reason that fell off the conversation, because it's comically stupid. And they know that they're the, the I, uh, ISIS and, and Hamas are adversaries publicly. Like it's hilarious. They just want, that's why they've filtered back and forth between maybe Nazis, maybe ISIS, even though those two things are also diametric opposites, who cares? We just, whatever narrative makes you think that they're the guy that we want to be fighting. That's all it is. Murdering some 1,400 Israelis. Well, now it's been brought back to 1,200, even though they're still using 1,400, even as this was yesterday. See how that works? The lie continues, even though the narrative has already shifted. And taking more than 240 civilians as hostages into the Gaza Strip. Amongst them, women, children, toddlers, and the elderly. This is the third day since Israel 
began pumping water from the Mediterranean Sea into Hamas's underground terror infrastructure. Great. So now we've got three days. So what does that mean? That means that the first day they said this, preparing, they did it. They prepared and then they did it. But yet your corporate media only gives you the preface. So we're getting ready. We think we might do this, but here's what some people think is the problem. Three days of that. Meanwhile, Israel's flooding the area with salt water. And the reality is that it's going to not only hurt the environment itself, or rather the stabilization of the ground, but also it's going to spread the sewage water and the waste and the contaminants and everything else. All of, This is guaranteed to make this far worse. You know what? Of course they don't care because that's actually a benefit. Well, we get to maybe flush these tunnels and we get to hurt the Palestinians, which, by the way, is what they're trying to do. Northern part of the Gaza Strip. This is a game changer in this war against Hamas. Hamas designed its underground terror. The IDF captured the And when the IDF captured the port of Gaza and the rest of the Gaza coastline, it disrupted Hamas's defensive plans. There was one other part. I thought it was right there where he said it again, but you already heard it. And its underground terror infrastructure to reach all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. And when the IDF... Well, anyway, you heard him say it the first time. There's one other part where he says it again. The point is, it's already happening. Isn't it? I just find that really interesting. So here is what Israeli fa hostage families are saying on the 5th. Very similar to the other one, but this is specifically in regard to the lies being spread about this. Now, this is from people speaking in front of the Israeli government. The meeting came as fighting has resumed in Gaza. Remember, this is the fifth, right? So they restarted the bombing, claiming Hamas violated something when I think it's very obvious they did not. And Israel violated the entire time per even corporate media. So my point is, they initiated this again. And people in Israel said, what are you doing? You're going to kill our families. Like that was immediate protesting. Following a seven-day pause. And it says, quote, this is from the people speaking to the government in Israel. I heard stories that broke my heart. I heard about the thirst and hunger, about physical and mental abuse, Netanyahu said at the conference. Oh, excuse me, it started there. There's two points to this. One, that all you're hearing from the Israeli people is that you're hurting our families. The other thing you're hearing in this conversation is Netanyahu, while they're only there to go stop bombing, I want my family's home, trying to convince them that look at how they suffered. I heard stories that they told me. Well, weird that we don't hear that from them when they speak publicly. That's how this, is, this continues. And then you get the blind followers in the corporate media that cite Netanyahu saying that, which becomes an evidence point. Here is what one of the hostages said. Well, no, that's what Netanyahu said they said. When they spoke publicly, they said they were treated well. There's two of those in here. I'll show you what I mean. He goes, I heard stories that broke my heart. Sort of like when he re repeated all the stories about babies being taken or buried alive. He on the Remember that fake phone call with Biden that I, said, I thought was fake? He, he listed off all the atrocity propaganda, most of which Haaretz has already proven to be false. About thirst and hunger. Well, none of them have said that. Every one of them have come back saying they were treated well and fed. About physical and mental abuse. Well, yeah, that's talking about your bombings, as we just heard from other hostages that made them have mental strength, gave them permanent hearing damage. He says, I heard, and you also heard, about sexual assault and cases about brutal rape unlike anything. Well, no, they didn't, in fact. They, they, he's trying to force this into the record, which then Reuters then says, but that's not what they were saying. That's Netanyahu can just stating things that are no, not backed by provable evidence. He says several of the relatives who attended the meeting left bitterly critical of the government. 
Not we're on the same page because we're fighting the bad guys. That's not what's happening. Danny Marine, Marin, Moran, whose son, Omar, was taken hostage on October 7th by Hamas, said he felt his intelligence had been insulted by the meeting and had walked out in the middle of it. But now, what do you think that means? There's a reason Reuters is watering this down, in my opinion. I guarantee there's more to this. Would his intelligence be insulted by... I mean, what else would insult his intelligence than Netanyahu forcefully stating things that they don't think happened? Maybe there's something else. Or him pretending that their bombing won't kill their families. It's one of those things. Either way, he felt insulted because he's being lied to. Walked out of the meeting. He says, quote, I won't go into the details of what was discussed at the meeting. I think the, I actually think they're being threatened like the, everybody else. But this entire performance was ugly, insulting, messy. He says he, 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 the government made it a farce out of the issue. Come on, guys. There's no way to misunderstand this. Now, obviously, it's my opinion about pressure or threats in regard to what you can say. But we've seen this already. The people coming home. People, people in general in Israel that say they're supporting a Palestine are being dragged out of their homes. It's been covered by corporate media. It says, quote, they say we've done this, we've done that. But he says the Hamas leader is the one who returned our people, not them. Think about that. It angers me, he says, that they say that they dictated things. They hadn't dictated a single move. Do you know why they know that? Because they're talking to people that came home. But that's not what we're being told. We're being told through people like Netanyahu that they were suffering and tortured and starving to death. No, no, that's not what they're saying at all. Maybe it's happening to somebody else, but the ones that came home have been pretty much in lockstep that they were not treated poorly. In no way does that mean Hamas good guy. It's just a fact they've stated. And then this guy who has people still in Gaza says that was Hamas's leader that let them go. Not you, you didn't do that. Think about how telling that is. The meeting had been intended as a forum for released hostages to tell ministers of their experience in captivity. You see, this is why Netanyahu said that. He wants to set the stage. We know there were rapes, and you all agree with me, don't you? Well, guess what happened in the meeting where they were supposed to come and make this public display of all the terrible things? None of that. None of that. They came and they said, you're killing our families. A group representing hostage families issued a series of unnamed quotes. Okay, this was the other part. So Netanyahu sits down and says, bad things that I want to tell you happened, that I heard. And then instead of, quote, hostages intending to say the, the people who actually came home relaying to you what happened to them, which they've done many times in the public. No, no, no. You get a group that represents those families that comes and gives, quote, unnamed quotes. It said were taken from remarks made by some of the form, former hostages. You see my point? That is how they're keeping this narrative going. Second, third-hand reports from IDF members from groups that represent the family of the hostage. When they came out and said, that everything was fine, I was treated fine. Or some variation therein. And I'm not trying to suggest that they're good or that, you know, again, that we have to say that. It's so frustrating. The quotes told, of course, of mistreatment meted out to the captives by Hamas. But the encounter was overshadowed by the emotions of families worried by the fate of their relatives. You see the point? They don't believe them. That's why they call it insulting, a farce. They are drowning in their lies, guys. They are drowning. Think about what it takes to lie about these kind of things. These are disgusting people. And of course, one of them speaking up and saying, all of them are still trapped in Gaza. We're fighting to bring them home. 
literally still using these families face these family members of these families to manipulate a western audience that's who it's aimed at not you it's not hebrew he's aiming that at you america he wants you to lo- he wants you to manipulate the israeli audience for him they don't buy it they're over here going stop lying to us stop killing our families and he then uses their families faces to manipulate you really disgusting Vice President Kamala Harris, of course, makes the most important statement of the day, right? She comes out and says Israel's right to defend itself. Like, do you realize how insultingly stupid that is today? At what, like, it, the word defend yourself, the phrase obviously has a meaning. So the same thing I said before. Let's say Israel continues doing this operation for the next six years. Is that always defending itself? Where's the statute of limitations? Where's the line? The line stopped the moment that this was no longer a response. The moment it became an operation that went well past whatever they claimed they were responding to. That is the point. It was never defending himself because they're bombing something they occupy. They don't have the right to armed rebellion. They don't have the right because they are the ones controlling this. They have an obligation to keep the civilians safe. Under international law or any other law, they're not. They are breaking the law. And she, of course, has to do what she's told. They have a right to defend themselves, as, by the way, literally everybody everywhere does, no matter what. So it's a stupid statement in and of itself. As Israel does so, it matters how. So she has to start like that because she's about to say something they don't want her to say. Too many innocent Palestinians have been killed as Israel pursues its military objective in Gaza. We believe Israel must do more to protect innocent civilians. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. So it has a right to defend itself. What does that have to do with anything? Right? Do you need to state it is right to defend itself before saying it must do more to stop killing civilians? The only reason that's included is because you have to flavor your murdering children under that. Well, it kind of is because you're defending yourself. That's cowardly. But here's the main point. Didn't you, Kamala, just tell us all or just spend the last month explicitly telling us that Israel was, quote, doing everything in its power to minimize civilian casualties. Matt Miller said it. John Kirby said it like repeatedly, forcefully, right? Okay, well, well, since you're now asking it to do more, well, that either means clearly that you were lying before or Israel was lying to you. So which was it, Kamala? And of course, you'll never answer that. Think about how this is my point. They're, they are lying about everything. So they get, in plain view, they get caught if you just have the logic to see what they're doing. You can't be doing everything you can and then be asked to do more. That's pretty basically obvious. But these people aren't that bright anyway, you know, so they don't, they don't think, what it usually means is that they're, because they're not, they, they see you as less than them. But the truth is, I think most people are more intelligent than these people. But here's Declassified UK pointing out the UK's now backing, well, as all of them are, Israel's actions, even though they've killed over 16 to more so about 20,000 people. But you know what he's saying? It is within international law. They're still saying this. He's saying that they're literally acting currently within international law after killing, as he puts it, over 16,000 Palestinians. Like they, as, I mean, to make a mockery of international law, well, that's long since been gone. It's not to say that international law in and of itself does not have importance or might not be, you know, it's, it's, it's like any other, it's like constitution. 
constitutional law or whatever. The point is that it's just something that is meant to be acknowledged and abided by in the sense of, but not like not influence of one country or another or international body over another country, but think basic things like the things we all take for like the idea of occupation or murder or theft or these basic concepts. The bottom line is they've always generally been there. They've never really been enforced against the powerful, but it's always, it's a tool for people like us to understand for him to say that it's within international law. That's what they mean by this makes a mockery of the reality of whatever that might abide by might be. Because if you can murder 16,000 as in people and it's still within international law, well, then nothing matters. Not, nothing means anything and everything means nothing. That's how this is meant to go. Now, in regard to the lies that were being incessantly for, like just constantly told over and over and over and over like that one, I want us to remember this. This is the tactic we're witnessing on full display right now. If you repeat a lie often enough, people will believe it and you will even come to believe it yourself. That's Joseph Goebbels. Of course it is. The, this, the relentless and incessant repetition of the same provably false lies and evidence-free allegations over and over, day after day, by a thousand Zionist sycophants and those they manipulate. This is the tactic we're watching. It's, it is classic propaganda. And you, can, and you can look through for yourself. The same things that we have proven. Like, you take, take the reality of the articles we discussed already. The claims about babies in an oven or cutting a woman's stomach open, or even the rape allegations. They just keep screaming these things, even though they've already been walked back, even by central parts of the Israeli government. But if you keep saying it long enough, and that's what the Eli Davids and the, the uh, Elon Levies and the rest of that's what they're doing. If you look at their accounts, they'll repeat the same sentiments in a different way three times a day. It is nonstop, incessant propaganda. That's what they're doing. They know they've lost it. They know you don't believe them. They're hoping that they can cement some kind of control of this at some level that they can use. That's what I think is happening right now. Things like this. Oh, you didn't know they found another copy of Mein Kampf? Of course they did. And it's this weird, like, like what is a, is a picture of a, of a Polaroid? Like, I mean, it was just so just ridiculous. Looks like a picture of some kind of a camera. And then, so why is there a camera like that overlooking what's this neatly aligned group on the ground? He says, breaking, Eli David. More copies of Mein Kampf are found in Gaza. So wait, are they ISIS or are they Nazis? Because they're not the same thing, bud. Next to Hamas weapons. So is he implying they were found like that? Aligned on the ground on a nice little red rug? I mean, guys, this is just dumb. I mean, even if that is the case, nobody should believe this at face value, no matter who it comes from. It is a photograph of a book next to neatly aligned things as we've, as we've caught them lying about more than, if not the vast majority of what they put out. Here's another example. This could mean something. Who knows? But because Aviva Klumpus says it and there's nothing else to go on, you should, you should go, well, that means nothing to me. Hamas tunnel shaft was found inside a Gaza school. You mean, is it that school that you just murdered a bunch of people in and now this is happening after the fact to justify that? Probably. As D, D Geopolitics writes, literally a basement. <laughs> I mean, look at this thing. This is simply a wall with another wall right behind it. And you can see they just busted through these things. This definitely just looks like something that has been broken through. It is not a tunnel. But who knows? That's my point. Who knows? Why she thinks this image, a la Twitter files, is going to mean anything. Is It only matters to people that are too dumb to know or already agree. Max Blumenthal writes the chair. Well, this actually brings us into the other allegations. There's a lot of this flying around. 
Which, by the way, then I guess what she then argues is what everyone at school is then. I mean, look, that's not even an argument. They've made it clear with their actions and what they've said. So you found the tunnel. That's what you're claiming, right? So then that means Hamas is using the school's human shield. That's, that's what you're claiming, even though the way they use that doesn't make sense because you're not the school, it's the people in the school, but you know, they don't, whatever. The point though, is that that's then translated to then we can bomb the school. What else are we supposed to do? Well, it's not our fault they're there. Okay, so my point is doing this, Eviba, you're allowing them to murder children. That's what you're doing based on something you can't prove. Pretty gross. Now, Max, in regard to the rape allegation point, this, there's been a development on this. And we talked about Kokov Ekalayam Levy. I've just been saying Levy for levity. Or, yeah, I guess that works. We've already talked about the allegations and how she's already come out in her presentation and literally described this image that we can prove is from 2022 and, and presented the image. So this is undeniable. And now she even addresses Max's tweet and doesn't deny it. The chair of Israel's Hamas Rape Commission has delivered a highly revealing response after I exposed her for promoting a 2022 photo of dead Kurdish fighters as women raped on Hamas by Hamas on October 7th. She didn't even bother to refute it, nor did she explain her mistake or issue a correction. Instead, she tacitly acknowledged that her evidence was fake and simply thanked him for publicity and blocked him. Ekali Levy therefore acknowledges that the Israel's commission on October 7th sex crimes has no interest in conducting a factually in, conducting a factual inquiry or upholding basis standards of review. It is nothing more than a propaganda tool designed to distract from and justify the titanic crimes Israel's committing in Gaza. Which, by the, by the way, plenty of reports include rape, but these are unverifiable, so it's not something we're going to report. But it says, indeed, its conclusions were determined by the political imperatives of the Israeli military, not by any evidence, which we know. Eli Levy also felt compelled to defend her record of consulting for Israel's attorney general on breaking Palestinian prisoner hunger strikes, while claiming she, quote, advocated for the protection of prisoners' rights in a 2015 paper. She actually weaponized human rights law to advocate for speeding as a mechanism of protecting their right to life. Now, the point is, she responded by saying, Thank you so much for sharing this. And it's the point of her sharing this image. We'll show you next. Thank you so much for sharing this. Giving such, quote, an important exposure of the event at Harvard, one of the hardest moments in my life. And, and also thanks for sharing my article within the Harvard ILJ, where I advocated for the protection of prisoners' rights and the adoption of the most compelling standards of the European Human, Courts right, or human Court of Human Rights. She says, I knew that I'd become a target, just not so quickly. Right, of course. Con immediately convert converting it all into you're the you're the wit uh, the you're the the victim. Right. Well, just so it's clear, there's no debating this, which is why she didn't choose to debate it, as you've already seen a million times. I I was the Max discovered this image was an old image. I was the one that caught that they deleted this image, and you can see that it was on this website. They didn't remove it. It was a website that was endorsed and still is by the Israeli government. And by the way, the image had been used multiple times in presentations by the Israeli government and corporate media. Then it was deleted because this was discovered was very clearly an old image. Here's the archive. And it's from 2022. They deleted this. Twitter keeps deleting it. You see here it's trying to be used to imply that Russia committed a crime. 
it's just been, by the way, I even caught the IDF had used this before October 7th, but after they deleted all this stuff, I wasn't able to find it again, but it says March 28th, 2022. That's all you really need. Proof. This image was used in 2022. Simple. I mean, use the, use 10 I reverse image. You'll find it. So it's obvious. So the point is, as they use this, they know that they're lying or they don't care. The point is in this clip, the chair of the investigation presents this image. Simple as that. Watch it, listen to it. It's very clear. So that's her response. Not denying this, just simply going, I'm a target. You're a target for presenting an image we can prove is not from October 7th? Think about that. So she must know that she's lying. Now, here is a further point. Brianna Joy Gray says, Believe all women has always been an absurd overreach. Women should be heard. Claims should be investigated. We read that before, right? He simply says, because their rapists executed them. Or that, I should read the last part so it makes sense. The same is true of allegations of Israel, but also this isn't a believe women scenario because no female victims have offered testimony. They haven't. It's been secondary reports. But then he goes on to say, because their rapists executed them. Your evidence is in morgue reports, but that's not what we're being told. This is the fifth. Days after this, we were told, no, 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 we've got people that are just don't want to come forward. Our, our IDF members are relaying what they're saying. Or these are... So he's not even getting the narrative straight. Did they kill them all or they just don't want to speak? And if they killed them all, well, then she's right to say we haven't proven this. And you made her point for her. But I said, based on forensic evidence in regard to his evidence in the morgue reports, and I said, no, as you, you guys know, his forensic teams in Israel already admitted that they did not, for numerous reasons, collect this. And now that window is closed. Here it is right here. Now, a month after the massacre, the window for collecting physical, this is one month exactly afterward, the window for collecting this evidence of rape, the forensic evidence needed to stand up in court, is closed. This is from a forensic official speaking on condition of anonymity because I don't think they wanted this public. Under good conditions, they had about a week to collect this. Now, there are arguments that they were more concerned about identification, but it might make sense in the beginning. What about day four, five, six, the days when you had forensic people in there with them not taking the evidence they could have, but chose not to? That's where we are now. It says they did not allow for the collecting of relevant evidence. So they admitted all the way back then they did not take it. And now, because it was a one-day thing, in the sense of what happened in October 7th in these areas, it's not like there's developing more evidence as this goes forward. Maybe with people that come back from Gaza, but that's a different story. The point is. They've been claiming a rape happened on October 7th. The evidence continues to show you that the vet best they don't know. So why would we then blindly go along with that and call for condemnation and legal action, which is what they're doing? Now, I went through this pretty in-depth. Arrest exposes atrocity propaganda and were rapes committed on the 7th. Let's review the evidence. I went pretty in-depth on this. The one right after this as well, I followed up on and went even further. The point is the evidence is blatantly clear. And the way they respond to these things is it's suspicious no matter who you are. And of course, again, showing you that she has, you know, clear direction on the seventh. She jumps to, we've seen horrific reports. Did you love that? We've seen horrific reports. So you've read things written by Israel's government. Got it. Of sexual assault by Hamas on the seventh. Well, we've all seen what they've written. What Israel's government has stated. There's been nothing to prove that. It is reprehensible and must be condemned. Well, what? The, uh, the allegations? Well, sure. Anybody, I, anybody can condemn the allegation of rape. We don't condemn things we haven't proven because that would be pretty dumb in the sense of individual actions. I'm not going to condemn a rape against this person if you haven't proven it happened. 
Rape can, she says, never be used as a weapon of war unless you're the U.S. government, of course, in Iraq or or in Yemen or anywhere else. But you know, different different discussion. I've spent my career, she says, protecting women unless they're selling cannabis or any number of ways you've used the law against individual people. But you know, these people are just such liars. From heinous sexual crimes and violence, and we'll continue to do so. No, you haven't really at all. You've done the exact opposite, and everyone knows that, which is probably why you're going to no longer be in a position of rulership. But he says you want to talk about rape or only alleged rape that seems to justify the genocide you are committing. Don't forget, as we've gone through in depth, there is an, an unbelievably open secret about the rape culture by Israelis in power in Israel against Israelis. It's unbelievable. The UN's talked about it, the Reuters. But of course, today we don't talk about them because we're in a, a moment of fervor. We don't talk about that. We all know they use human shields and we all know they rape and murder and steal and settle and displace. No, we know it all, but we don't talk about it when we're in the midst of a propaganda push. Here is why. APAC, one of the many reasons, by the way. I just want to make one clear point. What's hilarious to me is how people, I think it was Elon, or Elon Omar, I think, who came, yeah, I think I remember that correctly, came out and simply said, APAC is influencing government decisions, <laughs> which is literally the definition of lobbying. And they lost it and said, you're a racist. So apparently you're not allowed to point out that Israel lobbying groups lobby the government because that's racist. But every other group does that because that's what lobbying do, right? It's hilarious. The point though is that APAC does, and I think that's why they were so sensitive to it, have wildly oversized influence, if not complete control over a lot of these politicians. Just to make a quick point, somebody shared this with me to make this point, and I thought it was good to include. It says, we supported 365, one for every day of the year, pro-Israel, Democratic, and Republican candidates in 2022 with more than $17 million in direct support. So bribing, that's what it is. You can call it lobbying, but it's bribing. They're bribing these politicians to do what they want. That's what lobbying is. Let's be real. So. You can look at all the ones in the list and so on, but I think what's most important, and it says 98% of APAC-backed candidates won. Exactly. So you know what that means? Who APAC decides almost always wins. That's not even up, that's not even hidden. Right on the surface. 98% of the people we back win, which is why somebody pointed out, look at APAC swinging in to give, what is it, $20 million or whatever it was some big amount to some recent person who suddenly was the one challenging the person that was calling out Israel. And what do you know? They're probably going to win. How do you not see that as completely manipulating the outcome? Because it is, guys. Now, as we get closer to the election, I'm going to talk about this more. I'm going to talk about the Princeton study yet again and the reality that you don't need. It's everything's in front of you. All the evidence has always been there, whether it's voting machines or just the static reality that your vote does not change the outcome. I'm not even talking about the presidential election. I'm talking about that Princeton study and plenty after it that with obvious review of the evidence prove as the study cites, you have the average American voter has a minuscule, near zero, statistically insignificant outcome on policy. That's a quote from a Princeton study peer reviewed on whether or not we have an oligarchy. That's from like 10 years ago. It's just so amazing that we're that willfully ignorant in this country, or rather the two-party illusion is, and it drags everybody else with it. Okay, back to the point. So pretty much 100% of people that are paid by APAC win. And then, of course, absolutely are the living embodiment of your will, because that money means nothing, right? Okay, then it's about 365. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, amounts to, well, there's 435 voting representatives in the House, representatives. 
and there's 100 members in the Senate. Okay, so what does that amount to? That amounts to almost 70% of everybody in U.S. government. So let's package that together. Almost 70%, 68% of the U.S. government has been funded. That means given money directly from APAC. 70%. And that almost 100% of those they do back win. So you know what that means? That when these people are, they end up giving somebody money today to try to muscle them out of the position, well, they usually win. And over time, they gather more and more and more control over the outcome of policy. That's what lobbying is. It's far more dangerous when you've got a government that does this. This was also important. On an unrelated note, this person writes, here's Netanyahu meeting with APAC, an American lobbying group. Right? So you've got an American lobbying group literally meeting with the Israeli government, a foreign entity. That's an American lobbying group, yes, on the behalf of Israel, but meeting with a foreign government. I mean, it's just, it's it, it, make this situation with any other two entities and it would be alarming to you. It should be now. It's crazy. I wanted to find, let me see if I can grab this real quick. It pops up. Oops. Now, there's a link that I was going to grab. In any case, the, just basically from the ADL's perspective, right? The Anti-Defamation League, which is not the same thing. I mean, we're talking about a lobbying group here. But I mean, ultimately, ADL, even though it's not a... I mean, lobbying, I think, is what they all really do, right? They try to lobby these people to manipulate them into doing... The, the ADL just gives into the speech side of it as well, right? The point, though, is that Greenblatt was on the record, leader of ADL, that they had groups inside other American protest groups. So now you've got APAC meeting with a foreign government, deciding how they're going to manipulate the U.S. government. And then you've got groups within the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, that's clearly an absolutely pro-Israel entity who is is going after and inputting spies, they call them analysts, inside groups like Jewish Voices for Peace. How do you not see this as alarming as it is? Now, of course, when somebody wants to try to clumsily make that secretly about me hating Jews, well, that used to win people over. It's not what I think. In fact, I think I'm very clear about that. Zionism is very different. In fact, I've been honest and open about the reality that Zionism is abusing Judaism. Now, you may find that offensive, but it's very different than me claiming I hate Jews when literally I'm trying to protect them from Zionism. The problem is today for them that this has lost its power because it's really stupid. I guarantee there's some overlap out there, but when you're calling out a government for its crimes and you get called racist, that's that's kind of jarring for most people today. It should be. It always should have been. Now, Shelby uh, tell me, tell, tell Hami is a professor at the University of Maryland, makes a really important point. 80, and there's a link, you should read this. 82% of all U.S.-based respondents in responding to this poll, including almost all assistant professors, 98% of them, said that they self-censor when they speak professionally about the Israeli-Palestinian issue. Very revealing, which is showing you again this power structure that seems to be able to influence everybody. And then they pretend that that's because everyone agrees with them. It's not. Just over 81% of those self-censoring, excuse me, self-censoring, said that they primarily held back when they were criticizing Israel. Of course, you saw that coming while only 11% said they held back while criticizing criticizing Palestinians. 
Only 2% said criticizing U.S. policy was the biggest issue. 80%, over 80% of them were self-censoring in while they're a professor, while they're speaking in a college campus. Think about that. I mean, so that's influencing what they're teaching kids because they're worried about what will happen to them. I mean, this is just the most obvious thing in the world. Now, I'm sure people will dispute it and say this and that. Research it. Maybe it's fake. I think it's obvious. I think we all see this. And this happens outside of the Israel issue too. But it's very, very, very pronounced when it comes to the aggressive and alarming in Zionist influence. Our president is a proud Zionist right now. That is alarming. Whether or not you disagree with Zionism, the point is there is an obvious political entity that is not part of the central discussion of the United States that has gotten power to the very top position. Simple as that. And professors even are terrified to speak about this group. I mean, read Whitney's books. You'll understand the real obvious reality of what's happened here. The mafioso angle that we've talked about so many times. Now, here's an interesting point. A British citizen, I think we already showed you this. I don't have the video, but he's speaking in a British accent, basically saying, I'm waving a flag, for, basically waving an Israeli flag from inside an occupied school in Gaza, saying that we're basically, you know, taking this all becoming Israel is the point. We keep telling you, taking Gaza was the plan. It's obvious the West is involved in the ground. As we've been saying, I mean, we've told you this. I think Axios revealed there was a three-star general on the ground we, like, three, like three weeks ago from the U.S. directing operations. But it says, for those still disputing that, even, I, I, I actually realized I made a mistake here. It wasn't Biden. I think it was Matt Lee. I think it was Matt, or excuse me, Matt Miller said this. So I, I got to make a correction on that. But, it, uh, but I just, this is basically, I argue through Biden anyway, but the U.S. government said as much possibly by accident. The point is that we know this is the U.S. They're fighting on the ground and the British on the ground. Part of this, which shows you it's much bigger or that they feel that they're so invested now they can't pull back. And this makes it even more obvious. Just so you can see this one first. It, he speak, look it up for yourself. He's speaking in a British accent. This was the point. Jeremy Corbyn, uh, this was the fifth. Yesterday, I spoke with a foreign office minister. Asked him if British soldiers were being deployed, deployed on the ground in Gaza. He refused to answer. That's crazy. Today, he's written to the foreign security demanding an urgent clarification. Guys, I think it's obvious. This, this is the, the world war development that we all worried it would. The, the, I, don't, I don't, honestly, I'm almost wondering why we haven't seen more involvement from these other parties. You could call it restraint, which they've shown many times, Russia in particular, around belligerent actions of Israel in the United States. But I don't know. I don't know. The bottom line, this is getting wildly out of hand and your governments don't seem to care about it. In fact, they seem to be the ones driving this into reality. Now, getting into what's being done in regard to the so-called humanitarian pause and the transfer and everything we're talking about, driving them in the plan we discussed, which is what this really is. I wanted to play this quick clip of this woman speaking on the record about this and just kind of, I think the way she describes this just makes a, and thank you Orwell for sharing this with me, a very, very, the way she just says it is very clear. And I'll make a point about it afterward. And the really, the really idea is, as we've said many times, where are these people supposed to go? It's obvious. It's obvious that they're kettling them into this area and then saying, now we're going to bomb that area, but you can't go back to the North. And this is my point about the most obvious deductive logic. Are they going to levitate into the, into the effing sky? 
Where do you think they're going to go? That, that every And this means that your government that said, oh, take as much time as you need, are very aware of that. These are sociopaths. I don't know how else we see that. ...told us that once the so-called humanitarian uh, pause would cease, that they would immediately pick up their bombardment campaign and concentrate on the southern parts of Gaza. And I insist on the fact that Israel has already displaced 1.7 million Palestinians from the north, pushing them into the south. And that in this moment, as Israel has told us that it will continue its genocidal campaign in the south of Gaza, what they are saying to us is that they are going to airstrike the families who have been displaced from their homes in the north, along with the families who also live in the south. And so what I fear is that what we have seen in the past six weeks is going to be far superseded in this moment in brutality, in destruction, in killing, because of the fact that Israel is focusing its mammoth airstrikes, its brutality, its destruction on the very areas where the families are sheltering. And there is no safe place to go. They are not allowed to escape Gaza. There are absolutely no safe spaces in Gaza. Every time I am on the phone with my family in Gaza, I can hear the drones in the back on the voice notes, on every phone call. So it's very important for us to understand that what Israel is doing right now is a genocide. This genocide is the latest aspect of its colonial violence and domination of the Palestinian people in a 75-year-long ethnic cleansing campaign to ethnically cleanse all of Palestine from Palestinians for the benefit of the settler colony. And we must strongly condemn this. We must strongly reject this. Beyond straight crime, it's a genocide. It's a genocide absolutely in the legal definition of genocide in accordance with the Rome Statute and also the Genocide Convention. Genocide requires intent and action. Not only have there been over 100 statements of genocidal intent expressed at the highest levels of Israeli military and governments since October 7th, but they are also clearly committing three of the five genocidal acts under the international treaties. This is not my opinion. This is the opinion of over 800 genocide scholars, over 47 state crime scholars, and numerous scholars of genocide who have come out in this moment and said that Israel is committing genocide. Not only that, but the annihilation phase of genocide. That's why we have seen a sustained campaign of international actions brought before the International Criminal Court, attempts to organize now and, and lobby for a state to invoke the Genocide Convention before the International Court of Justice, attempts brought in the U.S. to sue the Biden administration for violating their obligations under the Genocide Convention. Right. Well said. I mean, I think the real point is, it's obvious that there's no real, you know, the rules-based international order is a lie. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that there's no like I said before, like the, everyone kind of generally understands what international law is. It's not, it's just not respected by the people that have the ability to supersede it, the powerful. And that's the problem here, right? We're literally watching as this plays out where they are the ones it, I mean, as I said, from the starting of this conference, like from October 7th forward, I've never seen it where all of the institutions that they've classically told us to look to, to be able to decipher whether or not these things are crimes, all of them being in lockstep against what the governments and Israel are, and the agenda and the, and, the me, and the media are saying, that it's genocide. As we said, you know, UN, UNICEF, Oxfam, Amnesty, Human Rights Watch, Beth Selman, NGOs, everybody, all of them are clearly making this allegation. And then you got people, like she said, 800 genocide experts coming out and saying without, without fail. And yet nothing happens, not even 
not even the initiation of some process. It just needs to show us beyond doubt that these are the people that are standing in the path of something better. That has to be understood. The same people acting like they're the ones fighting for your future are the ones stalling it and demanding that we don't go forward. We need to recognize that. If they weren't in the way, we might be able to do something better. I think that's the problem is that we've allowed these sociopathic entities to seize power under the guise that they're the ones trying to better the world, when in reality, they're just trying to seize more power. And people that either want that too or can't see through it get played into it, and we just need to stand up and stop it. Whatever that means. I know it's very simple to say, very complicated to do. But where we're at now, it seems far too many are still pretending like it just had like, or rather pretending it hasn't happened, but many of them just going, well, they'll figure it out. Like, I'm not going to even look because I don't know. Like it, today is when it's important for everyone to at least be aware of what's happening because we need everyone to change this or more than we have before. So what I wanted to say about that video in general, though, she's talking about people moving. Obviously, moving these people into an area that they cannot move from and then acting like they're going to bomb there too and that they're like creating the circumstances to justify murdering these people on top of the people they've already displaced. Like you've literally kettled these people into an area where all of them are forced into where before they were all in the Gaza Strip spread out in a concentrated area anyway. Forcing them up here where there's already a group of displaced people and families and people on hurt people arms and limbs and whatever else. And then they all crowd into this area and then they're going to bomb this area. I mean, that's, this is what's being stated. So when that happens, inevitably they bomb the area where they told them to go, right? Where they're going, we're, we're, we're going after Hamas, they say over here. So you go over there. Okay. Then they bomb the area because they are going, as they already have, they're going to inevitably say, well, because Hamas went there too. Without proving it, of course, but certainly possible, right? So they go, we're going to have to bomb this area, which is either going to mean they don't care, which they never have, but they, they can't go anywhere else, or they're going to hope that that forces the hand of somebody else to take them away from the area. But my point is, whose fault is it when they bomb that area? Or the ones they're currently bombing now, which are the old safe zones they told them before would continue to be safe. Whose fault is it that they're there? Think about this for a second. Israel made them go there. Under the guise, it would be safe, but the point is they made them go there, right? So what's been the argument this whole time? That they're choosing to remain here, which makes them complicit with terrorism or their human shield. Okay, but you now made them go to this place, which they can't leave from. So where's the argument now? Are they still human shields? Well, you put them there. They can't go anywhere else. Are they still choosing to stay with the mosque? Well, no, you put them there. They can't go anywhere else. Mark my words, it's already happening, but mark my words, when they do that, they're going to use the same excuse. Hamas was there, they're working with Hamas, but their narrative already fell apart because they put them there like they did everywhere else. But this has never been more obvious. I mean, the narrative was they're holding them there too, right? It's Hamas holding them there when you put them there and they have nowhere else to go. You get my point. They've already trapped themselves in this narrative where they don't have any excuse but there, we've, it's been proven these governments don't care anyway because these excuses already don't hold water and aren't even legal in the first place. It's frustrating, if, for lack of a better word. Now, Yanis says he just received a message from an Israeli friend in Israel, which is very interesting. An Israeli friend in Israel, 
which again is what we're trying to show everybody. This is what the sentiment seems to be. It says, quote, we need your help, your urgent help. There is no international intervention. We're gone. The entire Palestinian people are under genocidal attack and democratic Jews in Israel are under violent fascist persecution that increasingly resembles the junta regimes of the 1970s in Latin America. Help us. Very interesting. Now, of course, the, you could, he's an economics professor, but you know, he could be lying like anybody else. I don't believe it, though. I believe this is definitely what they're saying. And this is what we're point is that the, there's a lot of people in Israel that are aghast at what they're doing to the Gazans, the Palestinians. I don't think it's the majority, but I think there's a lot of people that have spoken up and want a ceasefire. And then uh, the majority by far want a ceasefire because they want to get their people back. And then many of them probably say keep bombing Gaza. But the reality is obvious. They have lost control of this across the board. Al Jazeera writes that we will die of the right post this of somebody in Palestine saying this. We will die here because of hunger. Palestinians say the Israeli army is forcibly displacing them, and they are. We've already talked about this to an area. I think it's Al Mawasi to an area, barren scrubland in South Gaza. No water, no electricity, where they face another fight for survival. I mean, how do they expect them to make this work? The point is, they don't. They, or they just simply don't care. R uh, Rania points out the occupation forces are bombing Khan Yunus, right? The other safe location with white phosphorus, which by the way, has see right there. So here's how this works. You push them into Khan Yunus because you're telling them that's the safe zone. Go that way. So we can do this over here. And you wipe out everything moving in that area in the North. Then what in the more steps than this, obviously, but then, okay, now we're going to the South, move over to this little tiny area with no water or no electricity. And many of them don't want to go because they already got bombed when you told them they they've gotten bombed in the safe zone. They got bombed on the way to the safe zone. They've been bombed everywhere you told them to go. So they go, you know what? We're not moving. So they use white phosphorus. You melt the skin off their children. Maybe they're going to move a little faster. That's Israeli government thinking for you. It's illegal. Nobody cares. They've been caught in 2009. They've already been caught in, two, in October 12th, October 12th of 2023. We could look. There's plenty more before that. Human Rights Watch has already proven they use white phosphorus both in Gaza and Lebanon already. But nobody cares, of course, because that's not the... If Israel does it, it's not a crime, right? Here's uh, Arnaud Bertrand pointing out something that's hard to, it's hard to think about again. What a disgusting answer Matt Miller has to these five babies left to rot, literally, in Almasir Hospital. Fact which he doesn't dispute but justifies by saying, get that, justifies babies being killed and left to rot, or rather being left to rot and starved to death, that, quote, Hamas should stop hiding its fighters in hospitals. How exactly is it Hamas's fault if they told them to leave, secured the building, and then left those children there, which is what happened, according to the doctors, according to witnesses, basically according to the IDF. He says this, by the way, with a smirk on his face. In this particular case, that hospital was forcibly evacuated by the IDF, and those newborn babies who depend on incubators couldn't be moved. You can find several videos of the hospital's doctors pleading publicly with the IDF and international organizations to take care of them at the time they were forced to evacuate, meaning they were left in the control of the IDF, provably. You can even find the testimony of a doctor saying the IDF had assured him the babies would be taken care of, and maybe that IDF member thought that. 
But when a journalist made his way back to the hospital a couple of weeks afterward during his the supposed truce, they found the babies, which we've shown you. Horrible, disgusting, rotting, decomposing babies still attached to the ventilators. Even if one buys into the Hamas fighters and hospitals narrative, this cannot be a justification to let newborn babies die. The hospital was entirely emptied except for those children, which everyone was made aware of. Again, search the statements of the doctors when they were forced to evacuate. What's the argument here? That because that hospital may at some point have been harboring some Hamas member fighters, those babies were therefore somehow tainted and deserve to die? One can see how ridiculous an argument this is. And this is my point from before. They're trapping themselves with their own broken logic. And also, it's now crystal clear this whole Hamas hiding in hospitals narrative was just an excuse. As we already proved to you with the Al-Shifa hospital, the entire north of Gaza was evacuated. The whole place. So it's painfully obvious that hospitals were evacuated as part of this. Which makes the statement that the State Department spokesperson said even more contemptible while smirking half the time. These babies didn't die because this particular hospital was a Hamas harbor, but just because it happened to be located in northern Gaza. Uh, on this issue, can you know? I mean, there's a great, great many rumors and so on that uh, talks about incentivizing Egypt to take like hundreds of thousands and so on. So you repudiate that completely. That is so, not. That is not something that has been discussed, you know, as it was allegedly discussed on, uh, on Capitol Hill. So I am not going to respond to rumors, and I don't know, I, I don't know what you're referring to with respect to Capitol Hill, but it doesn't, it doesn't sure. actually really okay. matter. I, but I will reiterate the principles right. that the okay. Secretary outlined, and one of them is no forced displacement of the Palestinian people from Gaza. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's the stupidest thing. So as long as it's not from Gaza, right? So you can jam them all into a, in a, in a one-mile area that they're never going to fit in, their half of them are going to die, but that's okay. As long as they die in Gaza, no worries. These people are sickening to me. And he knows this, guys. That's the point. I, we know he knows all of this. We, we've already caught them lying directly from Matt Miller. And on top of that, I, I'm almost willing to bet you that that's not how that ends up. What I'm willing to bet you is that this starts this way. So they can put it on the record that we made it clear that we weren't going to let them. Right? So we're the forlorn heroes that have to make a bad choice. That's, that's how this always goes. Then, once Israel makes this, which, by the way, hard to not see that as already the case, makes it impossible for them to live. Clearly, that's already happening. But let's just say they bomb them directly in that Larry, that little small area, and you're just bombing down on these people. What are they going to do? They're going to say, well, we need to move them. Wait, and we promised they wouldn't displace, but this is an imperative right now, immediate for the save their lives. That's how that works. Then they act like that's the only choice, the forlorn hero. My hands are tied. I can't. And they forced them out just like Israel wanted. And you even gave it to them as they murdered them to get it. So my point is just when he says this, whenever, look, if we haven't learned by now that what the U.S. government says means nothing over the years as they violated their agreements, their treaties, their resolutions with anybody, their allies and adversaries alike, they will say whatever they want, just like Israel, to get whatever they want. A couple of uh, other issues. Uh, there was a report that uh, Israel's assault forced the nurse to leave babies behind, uh, they were found decomposing. Uh, are you aware of the story? No, you see, I, he recites this as a report, which is the only way you can really talk about it. But the reality is, as we played clear, it's not a report. It's documented evidence of the doctors, well, for at least their testimony of what happened. And then the IDF in that same discussion, 
So there's no way to misunderstand this. It's provable based on the act, the discussions and the IDF telling them to leave. And then on the record, them saying there's babies in there that they knew there were children there. That's not a report. That's a fact. And then the, the fact that we know is that they were later found dead. Those are the facts as we know for sure. So I hate the way that the, like, I, I respect Saeed immensely. And I think that way he frames this is just being objective. But the way Matt Miller engages with it is disgusting because it's a, it's not some hypothetical rumor. It's a fact. Uh, I am aware of that report, okay. Saeed. And do you, do you take it as it happened? Or if it did happen, is that a war crime? Uh, Saeed, I would say that is a tragedy. Um, okay. It's a tragedy for those babies. Right. It's a tragedy for their family members. Right. It's a tragedy for the Palestinian people, and right. it is a tragedy for the world. Okay. And Jeez. it is why we have made clear that far too many Palestinians have been killed in, in this conflict. And that What the hell does that have to do with the point? You see, this is, she's just trailing off into, we told them to kill less, like that makes you the good guy. Can you just please kill fewer children? Thank you. Which is what they always seem to do. I've made that, that facetious joke before. That's what they've do, done to any of their allies that end up publicly murdering children. They just go tone down the child killing so we don't notice it. That's all we really want. That, of course, includes far too many Palestinian children and, of course, Palestinian babies. And it is why we have... Which are also children, by the way. ...taken every measure we could to speak loudly. Oh, you did everything you could to say it all. <laughs> Man, you did everything you could. And clearly to the government of Israel, that it needs to do everything it can to minimize civilian harm. And it's why we have worked to try and move humanitarian assistance in. And it is also why I will say we have said that Hamas should stop hiding its fighters right. in hospitals. I'm, I'm so, so this particular incident. Yes, I, 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 I know, I just, I just I, I, it gets to the, the very difficult nature of this war. Right. No, uh, no, no, you're just trailing off into more and more and more broad opaque conversation. Oh, it's a tough war. Things like that happen in war. No, no, you, no, it's not true. That was a conscious choice to allow Palestinian children to die in the most grotesque way. And now you're gaslighting for it because you're disgusting. That's what's happening. Um, and the immense human tragedy um, that has been inflicted on far too many people. But if it's happened on Palestinians, primarily, which is not insulting. It's a fact. Plenty of Israelis were hurt on October 7th. And that's disgusting, and people should be upset about that. And Tapas should be taken, hold it, held accountable for it. And then everything else that happened afterward happened. So if you're looking at this honestly, it's only a fraction of this that's not Palestinians being killed. And it's not a war crime, or is it a war crime? So, so I'm never going to be able to make an assessment here. You okay. saw us today make a conclusion about war crimes after a very deliberate right. fact-finding right. process where yeah. we then apply the facts to the law. It's not something I can do responding so, to so our report. Just, 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 just please let me finish my answers before you interrupt. I will take all of your questions. Sure. It is not something I can do responding to a report from the podium. Okay, I understand, but uh, would the U.S. consider sending a fact-finding mission like that you did? We are in the middle of a conflict uh, right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. No, yeah, no. We're, how could we do that like we just did? The same way, man. Do it again. <laughs> no, we're in the middle of a war. We can't do that. We can only send a fake mission that only gives us what we want so we can continue lying about what Israel's doing. We, how, we can't go look at a, something that we know will end up being exactly what we already know it is. It's just, this job is, um, it's in, this is why I stopped watching these most of the time. I, it's impossible. I want to stop at every five seconds because these people lie about literally everything. That's their job. 
now, an ongoing conflict. Uh, we monitor uh, all of these reports, but it's, I'm not going to speak to what actions we might take when we're still in the middle of major combat and, operations. And lastly, left in my Ah, yeah. So who's in the middle of major combat operations? Who's in the middle of a war? Okay, I understand, but uh, it would be like that you conflict. Uh, conflict now, an ongoing conflict. Conflict right now, an yeah. ongoing mission like that you did. We are in the middle of a conflict right now, an ongoing conflict. Oh, he is. No, oh, so he just told you the U.S. is in the middle of a conflict. Yeah, well, we know that. He's never really stated that publicly like that. So just so it's clear, the U.S. government isn't at a war with, with Gaza right now. Just in case you weren't clear on that. Uh, we monitor uh, all of these reports, but it's, I'm not going to speak to what actions we might take when we're still in the middle of major combat and, operations. And yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't a mistake. While we're in the middle of major combat operations, I mean, there's a, there's a three-star general in Israel that was reported by Axios. So again, in case it's not clear, if you're an American, your government is at war with Palestine right now. That's the reality. Lastly, last in my last question, uh, the, on Monday, um, when I asked you about, you know, where should, should the Palestinians go? And you said there are designated UN centers. Um, Just in case you didn't hear that, he said, he, Matt claimed there were UN designated centers. He lied about that. To, to go to. Well, apparently the spokesperson for the United Nations, Stefan Dujeric, whom you know, uh, repudiated that yesterday or refuted that. He said, uh, let's be clear. There are no UN-designated safe zones in Gaza. I think all my senior colleagues have been very clear, including the Secretary General, saying there are no safe places in Gaza. There are shelters that fly the UN flag that are sheltering thousands and thousands and thousands of people, men, women, and children who are trying to stay alive and get some food, get some water. We have seen since the beginning of this conflict that those places that fly the UN flag have, been, have not been safe either. Right. So his point is they've been bombed. They bomb UN installations, not because Hamas is there. Not because they think they work with Hamas, but because they're bombing the places where these people are sheltering and the people that want to help them. That's been made clear from the very beginning. They never made an argument that Hamas was in the UN shelters until it became so conspicuous that they were bombing UN shelters and 130 UN members that they decided to go full Zionist and say, nope, they're all Hamas and you're racist and anti-Semitic. Are we done? That's That's what they got. The point is that they've been bombing these locations. And the locations that they went after, like he said, it's just like a, some, some shelter with a, with a UN flag so they know where to go that is not safe, that they've been bombed there, that people have been dying, that they don't have anything they need to help people. It's just an area they're going to. And so the point is, before Matt said these were the areas they were going to, a UN-designated area. Okay. Now, what does that mean? The way he tries to wiggle out of this is so insulting and stupid. Even He even ends up... Ma- accidentally saying the wrong word at the end. The only reason these make sense is because it's somewhere they can go to be safe, right? So you call them a safe zone, you call it whatever you want. If your argument is that it's a place that they can go to to get away from being bombed, then that's exactly what Saeed just said. And the point is that the people that work there are going, that's not true. They're not safe because they're bombing all of it. Here's how he responds. So I will say, first of all, I did not say that there were safe zones. That is a very different concept. Saeed, again, can we just establish a ground rule that I won't interrupt you and you won't interrupt me? I did not say that there were safe zones. That is a different concept. We have seen earlier in this uh, conflict the idea of safe zones. And what instead we have moved to, what we have supported are areas that are deconfliction sites. Oh, okay. So where there's no conflict. 
So one's a safe zone, which means that there won't be bombed. The other one's a deconfliction zone, which means there's no conflict, which means they won't be bombed. Okay, so you're clear on the difference? There are sites that are UN-flagged facilities uh, that Israel is aware, Israel is aware where those sites are. Um, Israel has placed them uh, on deconfliction lists. And bombed all of them. Literally the most easy thing to prove in the world. They just go Hamas, and these people don't care. And Israel is not supposed to target those sites. That and they do. Hundreds of them, per the UN. That is what I was referring to. We continue to support people moving to those sites where they that they've continued to bomb. They can be uh, uh, safe from harm. Oh, so they can be safe. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say they weren't safe zones? God, man, this is the most embarrassing thing in the world. Can you realize how much this guy must? He probably goes home and, I mean, unless he's a complete sociopath, which seems like the case, but probably just thinks about this all night. Damn it. <laughs> like that, you are a fool right there. So you're going, you're, so the argument is ultimately it's a place where Israel can murder them but aren't supposed to versus a place that we claim is safe, which means the same thing because they bombed them there too. This is this, this is them. I'm pro somebody is back there trying to make them say just the way they need to say it to avoid some kind of legal accountability. Should that come to pass? That's how I feel this is because they are lost. You know, they're bombing them because the UN's telling you that. And Israel's over here going, well, they're working with Hamas. You won't say any of that because you know, that's ridiculous. There's no evidence for it. And you just pretend like we told them. That's like them saying, we've continued to stress that they need to do more to avoid civilian. Well, that's a meaningless statement. So whatever you do, you're saying we're asking them to do more. So that just puts you on this somehow, this higher level of always asking for the better thing. When in reality, you're doing literally nothing about the fact that they're murdering people. It's just disgusting. It's slimy. These people are gross. But again, we recognize the very difficult situation on the ground and the very difficult choices that many Palestinian civilians uh, are, are having to make every day. Oh, yeah, he really gets it, doesn't he? He cares. My God, the difficult decisions you mean deciding, deciding between feeding one child instead of the other, right? Or where you're going to get water or food that day or whether to stay where you are and die of disease. You, know, we're, you really get it, don't you, Matt? When you go home to your million dollar home, I mean, th think about the point. Remember what the question was? Five babies. Did he answer that question? He didn't, he didn't even begin to touch on it. Now here is another example about the manipulation of the media. And this is, the, this is one of those women that was cited in the BBC article, other than Levy, who just repeated all the same allegations, most of which have literally been proven to be false. The baby in the oven, the baby in the, the mother's child. Those have been shown to be atrocity propaganda, even by Haaretz magazine, which we've already covered extensively. Now, I think it might even have it in here today. Get for, oh, no, actually, I think that's all we got. For, that's all we got left right here. But we've already talked about that extensively. And Haaretz is has been in numerous ways broken this down. I think they've done two of them. And in, we have proven this extensively about all of these. Here, he's asking this woman about the rape allegations. Or excuse me, excuse me, never not, not that, about where they're supposed to go. His point is that, well, you're not even going to ask her about that, seeing as how that's why she's really hit. Her, her big thing is that she just did this whole thing with BBC about the rape allegations and so on. But listen to her response about this. If you don't think for one second that these people are coordinated and trained on how they're supposed to respond and deflect from the obvious thing that nobody can answer, then you don't, then you're not paying attention. 
But where where are all these Gazans going to live when this is over? You've pretty well leveled the north of Gaza. You're now going into the south to do the same there. You're shoehorning these million, several million people into a tiny area where the facilities for them are truly awful, as every independent uh, assessor is saying. But what happens after this? I mean, listen to what he just said. This is corporate media. So even all the corporate people are going, they're going to die. It's terrible. They've got nothing to do. They can't eat. They're going to be. And nothing happens. I mean, think about how wild that is. This is even coming from the corporate level. Because that's what everybody's telling you. These are, this is genocide. These people are dying. They're killing people, hundreds of children every day. And all we do is just talk about it. To continue going, what are you, how are you allowing that? Well, let me tell you, Piers, here's what we should do. And guess what? Two more children just died while you were pretending to care about that. I mean, it's, it's just mind-blowing. The average person needs to recognize that this is some kind of controlled block of anything actually changing. It's the illusion of compassion. It's always there. If most of- And the point, by the way, is that I don't, not all of them are aware of that. Like the view and the people, they're just people that think they know everything, that have, they care about stuff. And when you see children getting murdered every day, that even the average people will feel something. The point is that even they are being used in this way because they're part of the two-party illusion. But think about this. If it's this clear that it's just openly put to people in the Israeli entity or Israeli structure, and and as Sam keeps saying, why hasn't anybody initiated the, the genocide convention? Why is anybody doing anything? Because they're not able to. Gaza gets destroyed. Or choosing not to. One of those two things. And tens of thousands of Gazans are killed. What life is there left for them after this? Well, that's a very good question. You're actually referring to the day after the war. So first of all, there is still a big task. Well, no. He, 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 first of all, he was talking about where are they supposed to go, both afterward, but also with the people that they have nowhere to go right now where they're living. But of course, that's my point. They will never address that because they'll tell you we want them to go to the, the Sinai Desert. But that's supposed to be a conspiracy theory. And that they, that the, whole, the, or the way it's all being played out. So you just skip right past it. Oh, you mean this? No, that's not really what just, you take it where you want. To Israel to make sure the underground tunnel city is destroyed. And as I'm carrying this to remind everyone, there are over 138 innocent people kept hostage in Hamas hands, including 15 women. And- yeah, that they're currently bombing. That does not ring for, true for anybody anymore. That they're currently bombing. And you know damn well that people in, in Israel are screaming about that. So you don't care either. By the way, it was Matthew Miller, the spokesperson of the State Department, that said the reason Hamas didn't release them in the last pause is because they're very much terrified from the idea these women will speak up for all the atrocities, the rape, the systematic rape Hamas committed against innocent women. And uh, I really appreciate the fact you spoke up. Right. So Matt Miller got completely torn apart for that because it was ridiculous. There was nothing to back it up. Somebody clearly put him to it. And I think it was... Matt, Matt Lee, who just called him out and was like, well, you, you just said fact and it's not. And he was, he was forced to walk it back. The reality that you're going to argue after all of these people have already been let go, who have told you they were treated well, and they were in a group with the rest of the people. None of them have said any of that but for them to continue to float this idea. Me, I genuinely think that they're still trying to get rid of anybody else left so they can just make those allegations that they, all the rest of them were raped. That's why they didn't let him go, but too bad. They all got killed by our bombs. For this sexual violence. But I want to tell... Which there's zero provable evidence for. Zero. 
It's all secondhand information and things we've proven are not true. I feel sometimes like Jewish women doesn't count. When you think about the world... Right out of the talking points we've seen for weeks. Me too, except you're a Jew, right? That's the same stuff they keep doing. Silence. When you think about your organization saying... There you go. Same point. Nothing about the systematic rape. Hamas... You mean the rape that nobody's proven? Like, they're, they're, they're outraged that the UN does not blindly repeat what they're saying. Which I'm surprised they don't, quite frankly. But this is the same repetition of the same things that nobody can prove, and Pierce just sits there with that dumb look on his face. Mutilized women. There was a necrophilia. There was uh, innocent young women from a music festival that had a gang rape. So those- It's all the same stories. It's the same stuff she repeated, two of which have been shown to be provably false. So explain that. Either she's pretending she knows something that she does not because someone told her to say it, or she's knowingly lying about most of what they're talking about. That's not my opinion, guys. It's been reported but even by the Haaretz being one of the leading Israeli platforms. And that's just, it's not true because they said it. It's true because you can prove that. One of the people that's been reporting this has been one of the people from the Zaka group. They're supposed to be the volunteers that are on this whole commission. And he keeps saying that he saw personally the woman get the baby cut out of her stomach. That has been shown to be an outright fabrication, even from Israel's government. The 40-headed baby story, very clearly a lie. All of this is beginning to show that they are manufacturing something. Kind of things we must make sure the world won't be silenced about. And, and, and I really think that this was one of those moments of silence that was a disgrace to the UN organizations and for many women organizations by not speaking up for that. So I want to remind you that because Hamas well, like, listen, on didn't that, release our hostages. Well, listen, on, on that, I completely agree with you. But it's, it's how Israel is going about prosecuting the war on Hamas that is causing... Right, it just goes right past the evidence-free allegations. Right, because I think Pierce thinks he's got some kind of a niche in pretending like he cares about the outcome while pretending like this is completely justified, everything's okay. But you know, we got to care about the people that will be left. That does not ring true to me. Increasing concern, and it is unprecedented for the UN Secretary General to invoke Article 99 of the UN Charter. They've never done it before. Uh, and this is because what he believes is a, a, a genuine, right now, safety, security, and humanitarian threat, which needs the attention of the whole UN Security Council. Um, you know, th- this humanitarian aspect of what is going on in Gaza is now something that's requiring unprecedented United Nations intervention. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the game, Pierce, right? I mean, this is obviously what's been going on the entire time. But obviously the the point continually is that this is not genuine, right? What we're going to see is the idea that the, we'll get into the UN part, I think right next. I'm going to try to rapidly go through this since we've already passed three. But as he says, aside from not asking her for evidence for the rape allegations, you know, if someone else tried dodging his question like that, he wouldn't give them the privilege of speaking for so long. You're right. And you know damn well he's right. Now here is another one. This is the same IDF representative. He literally makes the argument they're killing civilians at a civilian terrorist ratio that's positive. That touches Ibrahim now personally is touching so many. Um, according to the low, AFP, sorry. senior Israeli military officials have said around two civilians have been killed for every Hamas fighter. 
So here, this is the first time I'm even hearing this for the most part. So now they're floating out metrics with nothing to prove it. Typical. They've killed two Hamas members for every one civilian. Well, I mean, even that's crazy. Like, really think about that. Like, so that you're you're willing to, which is no different than what the U.S. government does, but they're just owning it. But even that, it's catastrophically worse than that. I'm willing to bet you that they haven't killed, like, I would argue if they had the evidence to show you any of them, they would have shown you by now. So either that means they've killed people that they aren't sure are Hamas, or they don't, like, it's obvious to me that what they're doing is not systematically killing Hamas. Why? Because they've admitted that. They've said it's about destruction and accuracy. IDF members have spoken with 972 and said that they're bombing because they want to take down the civilian infrastructure, that they're bombing just to take buildings down, that they do this as an excuse, that they are targeting civilians. And as we'll get into next, three or four different amnesty articles that make it absolutely un- impossible to ignore that they've proven deliberate and systematic targeting of civilians. See, my point, the body of evidence is overwhelming. I've never seen something in my life that has more support from even from all areas of this conversation and it still continues to go forward. That you have successfully killed in the Gaza Strip. So it's two civilians. Oh, excuse me. Two civilians for one Hamas. The reverse. Wait, did I say it that way? I forget. For every terrorist. Can you confirm that? Yeah, I can confirm the report, uh, and I can say that uh, if that is true, and I think that our numbers will um, be corroborated, if you compare though that ratio to any other conflict in urban terrain between a military and a terrorist organization using civilians as their human shield, then it's... Of course, because it's all just human shield, it's Hamas, it's all it is. And then, of course, we don't get to prove that those are actually Hamas members that you've killed. That's always how this works with them. You state as a static thing, like the rape allegations, and then you go 14 steps past it immediately and look back and go, how dare you not completely come along? Because there's articles and everyone else. Like you, you mobilize the Hasbara effort. And you've got 14 mainstream articles that say, we already know and we've already gone three past that. We've got 14 investigations more, right? So just you've got this whole network of nonsense that makes it look like there's so much going on when in reality, you've got nothing. You never killed one. You haven't proven it. It's the same thing as it's happening all across the board. The only difference today is that people just aren't buying it. Embedded in the civilian population, you will find that that ratio is tremendous, tremendously positive. Tremendously positive to kill two civilians for every one person you're trying to kill. That's a tremendous. He's trying to tell you that's tremendously and positive. That unique in and world. unique. I understand that there are civilian casualties and I understand that footage and coverage goes towards emotions. Uh, and to to cover those civilian casualties. But what I want to say is that we will get those figures out and they will be official and on record by the IDF. Oh, good. So you start by saying, I don't know. If it is true, we'll get you something. And end by saying, we're definitely going to get you that by tomorrow. Well, that's weird. Didn't you just say you didn't know, but now you're sure it's going to come out soon? Uh, You see my point? Like, all about, everything about this is not just clumsy, as it very clearly is, but just like fly by the seat of your pants. Just what do you need me to say? That, then that. That's what I'm saying right there. Do we agree? That's what this feels like. Here's Elon Levy again, saying Hamas's corrupt leaders have been living the high life at the expense of the people of Gaza, keeping them in poverty while buying their wives expensive jewelry worth two years of wages. We literally have the receipts, which (laughs) an image could come from anywhere, but maybe it's a receipt of something. But I said, so do we. Here's Heretz.com. 
two days after October 7th, saying, quote, anyone who wants to thwart the establishment of Palestinian state has to support bolstering Hamas and transferring money to Hamas. Netanyahu said this to his party in 2019. He finished by saying, quote, this is part of our strategy. Okay. So then if we are arguing that this is money that it had gone to Hamas and we know that, that Netanyahu is funding Hamas, well, it's not too hard to wrap your mind around, right? But you see, this is the problem is they're drowning. Not no response, right? So there, there's just no way to bend this any way. If you know that they've been supporting this entity, everything that's followed is they're, they're at least responsible for in some way. But these liars don't care about that. Now, talking about the, the food, right? The idea here that this implies that they're not only funding themselves while keeping everybody else in poverty, which means, oh, they're stealing. Like, ask yourself this. Why would they need to steal all the aid if they're giving them all this money? Think how stupid that is? The point is, they're not stealing all the aid. The aid is not making it through Israel. And I think that's been proven many times over. It's being used in other ways while they lie about helping Hamas by Palestinians. And here's just a few random examples that I want to include since we made that point. Jonas Terwar, uh, Tirawi points out the eggs didn't the eggs didn't condemn Hamas apparently Israel occupation soldiers raiding a local store and throwing all the eggs in the garbage right how, explain this for me what, what's the logic here how in the context of what's happening how are you telling me that this is anything to do with Hamas as they're as they're filming it too this guy's filming it Just throwing the eggs away anybody. Anybody want to logically tell me why this has to do with fighting terrorism or is that they're just trying to punish Palestinians and make sure there's no food at all? Even if you want to pretend that's because Hamas might be around, you're guaranteeing the starvation of the civilians in order to do that. So even at your best, it shows you that they don't care about Palestinians in their pursuit of Hamas or it's a war on Palestine. It's just blatant. Now, Middle East Observer points out a Palestinian from the central Gaza Strip says this is the amount of food that's provided to an entire family inside these shelters. Considering that it's, and, and they're claiming it's, it has to be sufficient for three days for an entire family. And obtaining it requires staying in crowded queues for an entire day. That's what we're talking about. One can of beans, one can of some kind of sliced meat, and one bottle of water. For three days for a family. If anything, by the way, that's, that's if they're lucky enough to be in one of these centers that's lucky enough to have some of the aid that might make it through. That's what they're dealing with. But it's all Hamas's fault, right? Because they're buying all the jewelry with the money that Netanyahu gave them, right? Here's another insulting point. Instead of giving our children food in some of these locations that come through with these aid trucks, the UN gave them toys that look like food. Think of how insulting that is. I mean, why are toys even making it through when they don't even have enough food to get through the day? Because this is, this is, in my opinion, this is about making this more difficult for them. That's what Israel's doing in every way. Insulting them, punishing them, torturing them. Now, Lord Bebo points out, another woman says that the aid is not distributed in Gaza. There's one thing people need to understand. The Gaza Strip is under the tight siege and being effectively starved by the Israeli occupation. It comes through Israel no matter what happens. He says, so it's obvious that the small quantity of aid that comes in is guarded and distributed under strict rule. Now, this that he plays, by the way, goes on to say, as she's calling it all out, 
they, Hamas, mock us when we ask for the food. Except if you care to do any kind of due diligence, that's not what they're saying. Just like every other game that's been played, guys. And this, you can confirm this for yourself. That's in Hebrew, the, the, the subtitles. But you speak, you can, whether it's, you want to check it with somebody who speaks Arabic or in, or the Hebrew itself. Actually, I take it back. I'm willing to bet you the Hebrew says what you'd expect it to. The point is, listen to what she's actually saying and check it with somebody who speaks Arabic. And you will, it's, she, they're lying. We've already proven this to you three different times. There's a woman that was saying that they, that they, what was that one? Oh, they're saying they, the Hamas was going to cut my stomach open. Remember? They were trying to align that with the idea that they cut the baby out of the stomach. If you actually translate what she said, she was saying that the Israelis killed my son and I was able to tell by the belt he was wearing. And that's what she put her stomach, her hand across her stomach. I proved it on the show. Think about how crazy that they know that people who speak Arabic are going to know they're lying. They just don't care. Again, she didn't even mention Hamas in this while complaining about this. Only tra the translation from the Zionists, he argues, which or whoever. My point is that you can check it for yourself. She did not. So we know they're not getting the aid that's being supposedly sent. I already made that. I already proved that, in fact. But here's the point if you want to dispute, dispute that they're knowingly hurting these people. These are just reports from Amnesty. You can dispute Amnesty. But the reality is the evidence is easy to see. You can look into this for yourself. And it's not just Amnesty. This was October 20th. Damning evidence of war crimes as Israeli attacks wipe out entire families. This is one of the earliest ones I showed you. And as it said, uh, where was it? Right here. Yeah, this, this organization presents an in-depth analysis of five unlawful attacks that took place between the 7th and 12th of October. That's it. Specifically five they investigated. In each five, each one, Israel violated human, international humanitarian law, including by failing to take precautions to spare civilians, or by carrying out indiscriminate attacks that killed civilians, or by targeting civilians. These are not up for debate. I mean, you could debate the question everything, of course, but from their perspective, it's not for debate. They're saying, we prove this with our investigation. The international community must act now to prevent it from becoming a giant graveyard in Gaza, says the Amnesty International Secretary General. On the 20th, wiping out entire families, targeting civilians, just like we were admitted to by 972, just like we can hear the Israeli government say, but let's question it because who, I'm trying to think of the person. The point is, they're telling you what they're doing. So you shouldn't go, maybe that's not what they're doing. You should look and see that it's happening. See that they're telling you they're going to do it instead of listening to what Netanyahu says they mean to do or what Biden tells you they think they're doing. It's obvious. And they're telling you and their investigations and the evidence backs it up. Oh, November, November 8th, horrifying cases of torture and degrading treatment of Palestinian detainees amid a spike in arbitrary arrest. That's during this on November 8th. Here's an, this is just the apartheid. 2022, Israel's apartheid against Palestinians. Very obvious. Here's one. December 5th, 2023. This is from three days ago. U.S. made munitions, killed 43 civilians in two documented Israeli strikes in Gaza. So they're at they're more and more, more investigations, the more blatantly obvious evidence that they're not only killing civilians, that they're targeting civilians where there is no military target. Here's just the breakdown showing you the Boeing serial number directly. And this were the JDAMs. Another example, they were using JDAMs where they pretended the Hamas rocket fell. We already talked about this. December 7th, the U.S. must not block a resolution to demand an immediate ceasefire, but they did. The only one that did. And before we go forward, Netanyahu 
wants to let you know that if you investigate any of this, then you're a racist. SEC investigates Israel for fake war crimes. This is pure anti-Semitism. The court established to prevent atrocities like the Nazi Holocaust against the Jewish people is now targeting the one state of the Jewish people. Nope, he's targeting the Zionist government. That's what's happening. We see when they conflate Zionism with Judaism, that's how they get this game going and manipulate people and scare people away with claims of racism. To argue that you're investigating a government that is on the record per pretty much every human rights group in history, committed war crimes in its entire history, let alone the most obvious series of war crimes of anyone's ever seen in their life, and act like that's just because they're all racist, every one of them, this is why nobody's falling for this, because that is desperate. It's desperately stupid. Nobody, anybody anywhere is going to say, well, that's pretty extreme. Like, every one of them? Everybody there is anti-Semitic? What about the other groups? All of Amnesty? All of Human Rights Watch? All of the UN? All of Oxfam? All of UNICEF? All of Betselem? Yeah, let's keep going. How are they all racist? Everyone, they would say yes. Because that's the only thing they have. First, it outrageously claims that when Jews live in our homeland, this is a war crime. Nobody said that. Second, it claims that when democratic Israel defends itself against terrorists who murder our children, rocket our cities, we're committing another war crime. Nope. You see the lie? That's, I mean, that's just flat out stupid. He's, he's literally framing what they're saying when you murder these civilians. So he just says, well, that's defending ourselves. So when we defend ourselves, you're, no, that's like saying when you say Palestine, you mean kill all Jews. You don't just get to set these contorting ideas that just flip things we're saying into something you want them to mean. That's just ridiculous. It's not working. Yet the ICC refuses to investigate brutal dictatorships like Iran and Syria who commit horrific atrocities almost daily. Oh, yeah? I'd love to see one. I'm not saying that these groups are not capable or they haven't. What I'm saying is every single thing that he's pointing at when he says that have been proven to be not what they say it is. Things like Robert Fisk proving the allegations of chemical weapons were a lie or Del Carla Del Ponte from before that proving that it was the rebels that used it. And they lied about that or Iran, for example, on and on the limpet mines. They make every little blink into some huge war crime when their actual murderous crimes turn into be defending themselves. That's not everything all the time. I'm in no way suggesting that Syrian's government or Iran's government have not committed war crimes or are not guilty of crimes in the past. What I'm saying is what he's trying to point at are things like the chemical weapons attacks or Iran's funding of the terrorism network around the world, which is ridiculous. It's not true. They're pointing at the Houthis. They're pointing at Hezbollah. They're pointing at Hamas. These are ideological alignments and not black. I mean, even if they were, by the way, the idea that Iran is supporting people that they're aligned with who are being occupied by occupiers is, I mean, think about how funny that is. You've got the U.S. government of Israel supporting all of the illegal occupying entities in the world, supporting some of the most belligerently authoritarian Arab countries in the world. And then these are groups that are trying to actually support the ones that are fighting from underneath the boot, and they're the bad guys. And realize they're claiming they're the ones funding terrorism all the world. Well, you can literally prove these guys are, in fact, actually funding terrorism on the record all around the world. <laughs> just, just accuse them of that which you are guilty. As Prime Minister of Israel, I assure you, we will fight this perversion of justice with all our might. Yeah, yeah, I know. You'll threaten their families like you have before. We get it. We get it. So, 
three hour and 26 minutes. So I think what I'm going to do is talk about these possibly tomorrow. I forget what day, probably tomorrow, but I want to make sure we include this today because I did talk about this one, but the last one I'm talking about. So this is, we're going to finish on this point. I think because this is, it's just, this is one of the most depressing parts of this whole thing in regard to this person we're going to discuss. So his, his full name, just want to make sure I don't mispronounce it. Dr. Raf, uh, Rafat Alarir is somebody who is very respected or was very respected, who had a very in, important impact on, on many different facets of this conversation and somebody who was just deliberately assassinated by Israel. And this is not up for dispute. And it's just so disgustingly sad that we're in a position where you've got, and this is the point that a lot of Palestinians have made. That what's happening is not just the attack on Palestine, but the systematic destruction of everything they need to live and to thrive. And, and, and we're talking about things like artists and you know, doctors and medics and so on. But right, it, it, intellectuals, painters, poets, like guys, there's, a, there's lists all over the place of these people that have been systematically taken out, the leaders of their society. And then, of course, yes, hospitals and schools and mosques and everything else, too. They are making this happen in real time. We all seem to see it. And all the other good guys are clapping as it happens. Rafat's final tweet before he was killed by Israel. May his murderers be brought to justice. He said, the Democratic Party and Biden are responsible for the Gaza genocide perpetrated by Israel. Do you think that had some effect on it? Maybe. And here is her saying, Israel has a right to defend itself. And that's where the other one we pointed out came from. That was the last tweet before he was killed. Oh, and I just, I think we already shared this one. My point was just after she said that, right, that they have to do more to protect civilians. My point was, well, okay, then were they not doing enough before? You lied about that or were you being lied to by Israel? Obviously, one of those has to be true. Here is one of his late last video discussions with electronic intifada saying, and this is what's so heart-wrenching about this. He's clearly emotional. And he's simply saying, you know, what should we do? Drown? Commit mass suicide? Is that what Israel wants? Because the reality to anybody with a brain is that there's, there's, they're creating a dynamic that makes them responsible for their own death, despite the fact that they're doing everything they're told in many cases. That's genocide, along with the obvious intent. So he was there doing everything he could for the people of Palestine, and they took him out. And it gets worse because it turns out that they told him they were going to kill him. Here's what he said before. We know that it's very bleak. It's very dark. Uh, there's no way out. Uh, if, if there's no water, there is no uh, way out of Gaza. What, what should we do? Like drown? Like commit mass suicide? Is this what Israel wants? And we're not going to do that. And I was telling some somebody, some friend the other day that I am an academic. I probably the toughest thing I have at, at home is an expo marker. But if the Israelis invade, if they urge at us, charge at us, open door to door to massacre us, I'm going to use that marker, throw it at the Israeli soldiers, even if that is the last thing that I would be able to do. And this is the feeling of everybody. We are helpless. We have nothing to lose.
that is just it's gotta be one of the hard that's gotta be one of the saddest things I've ever watched in all of doing this. And you hear the explosions right outside his house. These are the people that are being systematically killed. <clears throat> Low-key reports that Rafat Al-Arir received a stream of death threats on his platform, on Twitter, before the Israeli occupation forces target him and his family. And this is what he wrote. If I get killed by Israeli bombs or my family is harmed, I blame Barry Weiss and her likes. Many maniacal Israeli soldiers already bombing Gaza take these lies and smears seriously, and they act upon them. This is what he was being sent, and I'll show you why he blames Barry Wise. Hey there, third world. (laughs) So this person's out there trying to defend people's lives, and they're calling him a rapist. Send me your address. We're going to wipe you out in Gaza. When we get to Gaza, I personally will. God damn it. So this is what's happening on Twitter, which being allowed, which, by the way, literally violates the terms of service. But that's okay, you know, because it's all about this terrible Hamas supporting terrorist who is trying to support his family in Gaza as he gets bombed. The important part that Rami Abdul and obviously for those that that's being facetious, this person is not anything they've tried to claim he is in regard to the why the Israeli government would take him out. The important message on his assassination. This, this is an assistant professor of law and finance at Euromed Human Rights Group. The day before yesterday, Rafat received a phone call from the Israeli intelligence about locating him in the school where he took refuge. They informed him that they were going to kill him. They informed him that they were going to kill him. He left the school not wanting to endanger the other people around him. At 6 p.m., his sister's apartment was bombed where he was killed his sister, and her four children with him. This is the legacy of the Israeli government and anybody else supporting this. This is from Euromed Human Rights Monitor. The Israeli strike on Rafat Al-Arir, apparently deliberate. You read it for yourself, guys. There's really no way to misunderstand this. And of course, where they bombed him or where they were going to bomb him was at a UN school, which, by the way, we'll get to next, where a bunch of people were assassinated. So it very well may may be that they were connected. But of course, here's what the the good Dr. Eli David has to say. Remember remember this evil? Many people asked X to suspend him. He's talking about Rafat. No need. He was killed today in an Israeli attack on Hamas terrorists. These people are so disgusting. God, it's just hard not to feel anger about people like this. This guy is literally reveling in the fact that this person was killed. And here's what he's showing you. This person says, so this is what he shared. This guy, this this guy, David Ifun, says a baby was found in an oven, baked to death by terrorists. That's what he said. Obviously, that's not true because even Haretz has reported that to be false. He says, with or without baking powder, because he knows it's false. That's why. Eli David relishes it. No need. He's already been killed. Hooray. Here's the point, David. You're drowning in your own lies. Yes, we remember when he called this out. The same lie that Haaretz just confirmed is in fact a lie. 
You know that. Yet you continue to use this lie to justify, cheer on even, this innocent man's death. You are disgusting. As it says, Hamas massacre led to the spread of horror stories, not all of which happened in reality. The truth is hard enough. Here's what it says. Another story that circulated a few weeks ago by one of the members of Levy's team, by the way, or Zaka specifically. Particularly harsh and extreme. The president told about a baby. So multiple people have spread this as if they saw it. A baby who was in an oven, by the way, which comes from a classic example of Zionist attack on Palestinians. It's, a, it's an old story. Who was put in an oven and burned to death. And by the way, remember the beginning where we had people like Ben showing us burned babies claiming that's what happened? They lied too. Burse, and by the way, the ones that were burned were because of IDF bombings of these houses. Burse said the words at the donor conference in the U.S. and there from the story unfolded, which was even published at the beginning of the month by Daily Mail. Where, baby, where the baby becomes babies. But this story is also not true. Eli David is an absolute POS who is cheering people's deaths. This, and this is a look, and I'm not calling for censorship even now. I never will. My point is, this is what Twitter is completely okay with. The, the absolute jovial discussion of murdering innocent people. But if you come on and God forbid, say from the river to the sea, you're out of there. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yay, Elon. Here's Dan Cohen. As Israel exterminated hundreds of Palestinians in Gaza ghetto, the odious propagandist Barry Weiss singled out Rafet Alarir. for making fun of fully debunked Zionist lies, putting a target on his back. Now that Israel has murdered him, she must be constantly reminded that his blood is on her hands. You're damn right. Here's what she did. Calling him out with all the, all the Israeli intelligence and all the, that's what he was talking about. Immediately got bombarded with death threats in his Twitter DMs, which Twitter didn't care about. Here is Rafet Alarir joking about whether or not an Israeli baby burned it up. That's not what he was doing, and you know that, Barry. Or maybe you're too stupid to know because you didn't even know the definition of a toady when you used it in your Joe Rogan interview. Because you're a repeater. You're an infant of, in a field of journalists. This person, oh, this was him cheering, uh, saying the same thing. There was no baby in the oven and so on, like just showing out that it's a lie. So don't forget, he called her out. Oh, this this is, here's the best, see, this is the point. This woman is another one of these ridiculous propagandists. She just recently claimed that Zionists only ever want the home for Jews. That's it. Acting like that's not the stupidest thing in the world to say when you can literally show Zionists telling you that's not what they want. It's just these people are willfully dumb. Here, she uses this image and a link to the guy who is what that article is debunking. That's him. That's the man from the Zaka group who's been repeatedly stating that they saw this. He's a liar because it's already been admitted to be a lie, not just by this article, but even by other groups involved. But again, it's not true. It was a lie that was made and spread and, it, and you, they track right how it got out of hand. And this is one of them. This guy is one of the people that keeps saying it and people like Levy keep saying it too. And people like Catherine are happy to spread it because they have an agenda. So he called Barry Weiss out and said, if I'm killed, it's her fault. And then he was killed. 
think about that for a second. Barry Weiss should never forget what she's responsible for. Wherever that one was. Yeah, right there. If I get killed by bombs or my family is harmed, which both happened, Barry Weiss is responsible. Man, probably won't care, to be quite honest. Well, now, with all of this happening, on top of everything else that's already happened, Israel has revoked the UN Humanitarian Coordinator's visa. But they totally care about humanitarian rights and everything else, right? Or, of course, because UN is Hamas now. But, but UN, why don't you condemn this thing? Ridiculous. This is what someone trying to hide genocide does. That's what they're doing. And this is Pelham pointing out the same thing. UN News points out from Secretary General's letter to the Security Council, invoking Article 99 for the first time while in office, calling for action on humanitarian ceasefire. And he writes, at least 130 United Nations colleagues have been killed with many of their families. None of them are in, like, these are locations that are verifiably not Hamas locations per people on the ground, per human rights groups, per the United Nations. Even, even Israel in the beginning cited that they knew that these were protected locations. That just changed when people like Eli David just started lying about it because we all started paying attention. We are facing a severe risk of collapse of the humanitarian system. So what happened is they initiated, well, actually first, well, this is Article 99. I'll show you what that means. But uh, Philippe Lazzarini, Lazzarini from, he's the commissioner general of the UN Palestinian Refugee Agency. In my 35 years of work, he says, in complex emergencies, I have never, never have expected to write such a letter, predicting the killing of my staff and the collapse of the mandate I expected to fulfill. Simply writing, just to sum it up, that they, this, they're being slowly murdered, right? That what they're doing is not only affecting them and every one of their people and their families, but it's collapsing the very mandate that they're there to succeed which shows you that Israel is in fact part of stopping that because they do not want this to be. The reality is obvious. They've already laid it out. We don't need to keep hashing the fact or debating whether or not Israel wants to do what they've already told you they want to do. And because of all of this, the United Nations invokes Article 99, which is very simple. It says the UN chief may bring to attention of the Security Council any matter, which is in his opinion, may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. So think about that for a second. Even Piers Morgan walked that very lightly. It's not just a threat. They're literally, this has never been done before. The United Nations is initiating 90, Article 99, which means that what Israel's currently doing could literally affect international peace and security, a global threat. Now, maybe that's a problem. Maybe this was part of a plan in order to justify some kind of global initiation of uh, undermining of sovereignty. We should just be, look, it's, this is what I want to make people understand. It is, cap we are capable, all of us, of maintaining multiple thoughts in our minds at one time. It is possible to point out that what the UN is saying about Israel is in fact true, for, we don't, but whatever their intent is, God only knows. To assume they're doing it because they want to do the right thing, well, that's why would we assume anybody thinks that? It just simply is what I believe is currently happening. There's all sorts of reasons they could be saying the truth. Simultaneously, we can acknowledge that what they're doing could then be used to justify some kind of great reset step or digital control, blah, blah, blah. So my point in all of this is that I do think it's interesting and important that this is being called out in a way that says what Israel's doing is creating a global threat 
while at the same time making sure we're on immediate guard for how this may be used against us. That's important. Nonetheless, we should see it as a positive, a win, that the world is being forced to acknowledge the crimes of the Zionist government. Now, on this, uh, I'm going I'm to kind of skip this for time because I want to wrap this up, but this was basically just an update. As I understand it, they, what was it really quickly? They were trying to convince Washington not to use their ceasefire, which they did anyway. That's really what this one of these was about. And the point was, even though the UN's going like, this is global security risk, the US still said, we don't care. And vetoed everything, which is what happened. And I just love the way this title reads because it's almost like they don't want you to know that it was a ceasefire they vetoed, which is what it says. But the title literally leads from Associated Press. U.S. vetoes a U.N. resolution that condemned all violence against civilians in Israel or in in the war on Gaza, specifically in the Israel-Hamas war. So the U.S. vetoes a resolution that condemns all violence against civilians. And I simply said, doesn't that just say it all? It's like veto. It's like voting against a don't or stop arming terrorist act. They always let you know who they are. The U.S. vetoes a U.N. resolution condemning all violence against civilians. Think about that. You know why? Because it was included in it, stopping or calling for a ceasefire, right? And this is what it really comes down to. They don't want to stop murdering these people, and so they veto it. United States vetoes Security Council draft resolution that would have demanded an immediate ceasefire. That's why. But the real point was condemning the civilians. They they can't go along with that because then they would be seen as saying Israel's killing civilians. Well, we know that's what's happening. Everybody knows that's what's happening. Everybody. Everybody in this voted yes, ceasefire, except the United States. Even the UK abstained. My God. And Electronic Electronic Intifada points out that the faux investigation by even the ICC they're calling out, which makes you think something different about the way they're discussing this, thousands of Palestinian children, thousands of whom have been killed in Israeli strikes in Gaza, merited not a single mention of Kareem Khan's statement upon the conclusion of the first ever visit by the International Criminal Court to Palestine. Nothing. Which doesn't mean that nothing nothing will happen, but I'm not hopeful with this guy who gave nothing but lip service, didn't even want to go into Gaza. I don't believe it's going to go anywhere, sadly. Now, I, I'm going to get into this more in depth tomorrow, just because we're we're basically four hours right now. I told you it'd be long today. That's why I told you to clip it up, too. But I'm going to get into this more in depth, but I just want you guys to see in general. On top of what happened in regard to the, well, it's specifically to the professor, as well as just everything else we've talked about, the Cuds News Network is reporting that they've documented the arrest of journalists, doctors, academics, and elderly individuals from displacement centers in northern Gaza who were forcibly stripped. You might have seen this circulating. Now, of course, the Israeli propaganda network comes out hot out of the presses and says, we got all the terrorists because they're so desperate for a win. Now, ask yourself this. If they have to pretend they've got a bunch of Hamas, what does that make you think about the fact that they haven't said that thus far? Because they haven't gotten any, I would argue. Otherwise, they would have done this. And this is a lie because the reality is these are a bunch of people that were taken from a displacement area. Journalists, civilians, doctors among the detainees in this case, this is the professor of law and finance, are his dear friends, a veteran journalist, which has been proven even by corporate media 
Now, by the way, when I say that it does not mean that because they said it, it's true for those that are new. It means that they just simply pointed at it too, which adds more credence to the people that somehow think that means more. Well, he says, I had begged him to leave the area, but he told me he, he didn't want to leave his dear Nada and his elderly mother. What a terrorist. His daughter is disabled with special needs care and equipment. She wouldn't survive displacement. So seeing as how they swore they would take care of these babies, right? And then left them to die. Now that they arrested these people, what do you think is going to happen to his disabled daughter that needs care and his elderly mother? I think you know what's going to happen. Sickening. Among those taken, he elaborates just different. So we have, this is what Israel's already trying to contort into proof that these are all Hamas members, even though there's nothing but the reality that they work for the UN. The allegation that there are Hamas is not verified or proven or any evidence for that effect, quite frankly. But one of the people they have in this group is a school director for a UN school, a, a, an actual UN staff member, not, not a, an UNRWA, but a UN staff member, which challenges their larger narrative, I guess. But a bunch of different people that are not uh, members of Hamas or members of anything other than the people being in this random gathering of people at this UN school where people were displaced or gathering. And it says additional identification, ongoing work on identifying who was kidnapped by the F IDF today. This one is, uh, let's see. Oh, I guess there's a 12 year old boy in this as well. Every last person will be identified. They're going through and seeing, they're getting their, their best images they can and then try to compare it to people that they know. Now, this is all kind of superficial at this point. There's some that's much more. This is, so here's some good examples of this. These are civilian men that were dragged out of a school nearby, which again is the reality, wherein women, th this you can see in the background, you can see images that show the school where they basically, they photo cropped it out in the one they've been sharing, which gives you even more evidence than they know what they're doing. And here's what Kim Iverson says. Of course, Mario just can't rush to say what he's supposed to say fast enough. That's Mario Narfall for you. Yes, he does come out and say things that the, the other side of the narrative, as it were. But I'm telling you, this guy just, the moment something comes out from corporate, he rushes out and says, this is what's happening with zero due diligence. Hundreds of Palestinians detained without clothing on the ground and hands bound. And daily forces are seen detaining Palestinians. Like, it's just funny that he's, you know, every time. But my point would be, we don't, when he says these things, I, he, I don't even think he's confirmed that it's even happened. For all we know, this is something from two years ago. But this is, con anyway, you not not a big supporter, you can tell. Kim Iverson says, when it gets to the point when they start rounding up people claiming they're all criminals simply for their religion or ethnicity, isn't that a Holocaust? And this is somebody you've already seen, by the way. We've already actually talked about this guy. Among the civilian detainees photographed is journalist Daya Al-Khalat, bureau chief of uh, Al-Abri Al-Jadid newspaper in Gaza, who appears in this photo. Let's see right there. Danielle. I guess we might just wrap through this. We're almost done. Photos show the Israeli occupation forces arresting tens of Palestinian civilians, forcing them to strip up their clothes, subjected to abuse. You can see that Palestinian journalist. There's different people pointing this out. Now, this isn't Jablia uh, uh, again. Israel rounds up Gazan men and teenagers in mass, strips them naked, and detains them with no charges. Gazan detainees have been subjected to torture, starvation in general, which we know. No legal counsel. Makes just references to past. Mohammed Bashir says the image of ISIS during a field execution in Iraq in 2015. The second image depicts the Israeli occupation army leading a group of civilians in Gaza to an empty area, preparing them for execution. If that's, that's what people worry is going to happen. 
The question is, what's the difference between Israel and ISIS? That's the point he's asking. It's a fair point. That's not to mean you believe it. But what I think is hilarious is that the point that people like Eli David have made, even with a, a super fuzzy image you can't even verify, showing a Nazi person shooting somebody in the back of the head and then showing what they claim is a Hamas member shooting somebody in the back of the head. It's like, what argument are you making here? That only Nazis and Hamas shoot people in the back of the head? Like, they're just trying to plant in your mind that these are Nazis. So it's the same argument. So if that makes sense to David, then this should too. But of course it won't because he's not honest. And then Brian Joy Gray points out, innocent civilians, and this, if it means more to you, this is a, a mainstream journalist, innocent civilians have been identified in these photographs, because they have. Stripped, humiliated, abused by Israel with U.S. funding, cheered on by the American right. Here's Dave Rubin. Happy Hanukkah. Why? Because Chanya... Rachik says Hamas terrorists are crawling out of the tunnels. You know why? Because without any due diligence, they blindly repeat what the Israeli government said. Right here. Well, this is Mossad. Khan says over 100 terrorists have crawled out of their tunnels. See? <clears throat> so she simply goes. Where was it? Oh, this one crawling out of the tunnel. Oh, weird. You even use the exact same wording. Isn't that just a coincidence? No, not really. I think we know what's going on today when the really graceful shows you that people are getting emails. Here, we'll give you a thousand dollars. You want to say this? Yeah, why not? I like Israeli anyway. It's what's happening. Not, I'm not saying with every single person, but definitely is happening. Eli David comes in and says, your staff, hi, Antonio Guterres. Your staff are among the Hamas terrorists. Okay, so let's be clear. The only thing that's unverified in this is that they're Hamas terrorists. That's just the Israel saying that because they arrested them. What we could prove, they could be part of Hamas. I don't know, but I don't think that's the case based on many other examples and people that are part of or international entities that are backing that they're all innocent people. The reality being that you have a UN member, not UNRWA, but an, a UN member, and a member of the school of UNRWA. Now realize that man is a member of the school that they're claiming they took them from. You see how that works? So this is a clumsy way of saying that now that they've established that UNRWA is all Hamas, that therefore we can just take everybody from UNRWA and say, we got all the Hamas guys. It's about the same as Obama saying, if we bomb them, then they're terrorists because we've deemed anybody in a bombing area combatants, right? You're, you're manufacturing consent. You are, it's, it's a, self-fulfilling prophecy or, or, or any condemnation or are you busy invoking article 99 you're a disgrace right so here's an image of people you know work for you that we're claiming are hamas why haven't you condemned them yet <laughs> this is just so stupid it's like saying here are secondhand reports of what we claim happened to these women why isn't the un calling out rape yet because you haven't proven anything man like it's just blatantly childish but I mean, that's my point is they're desperate so here's an example of what they continue to do. This is the deputy mayor of Jerusalem. Israeli security has descended into full-blown genocidal fascism, this person writes. He says, eliminate the Muslim Nazis in Gaza. We have to pick up the pace. If I had made the decision, I would have jumped four D9s, those bulldozers, and put them behind the mounds of dirt and given the order to cover all these hundreds of ants while they were still alive. They are not human beings and not animals. They're not human animals. They are subhuman, and that is how they should be treated. To protest the memory of Amalek will not forget. Again, calling on the biblical concept of genocide. 
it's you realize what he says eliminate the muslim nazis in gaza he doesn't even say hamas these people are absolute maniacs and openly calling for genocide and your governments don't care and here is that exact or one of them i believe this was which one was it let me see oh that's what it was okay i just wanted to make sure you saw it. so this is the image he used and as you know well we don't go with just images so we got the link and then by the way back machine and here's what it shows and then i translated for you because that's what we do and here's what it says same thing just to make sure you saw that's what he is very clearly saying which here here's the, actually that's why that's an important point so you can openly call for genocide you can show all sorts of disgusting, detour- I mean, the worst things in the world. But if it happens to be negative towards the Israeli cause, well, you get rid of it real quick. Like that image that just simply shows that woman's behind. But, you know, far more grotesque things are there all the time. But you've deleted that twice already. Or this guy who just comes out and says it a little much too on the nose, right? Let's murder them all. Delete. What's interesting is there's all sorts of examples of people saying that in other ways that you allow. Why is that? I think it's very obvious that there's an absolute coordinated kind of cover-up going on to keep these things out from your view. That's my opinion. There it is if you want to look at it. Now, again, Mossad comes out and just posts the image. I think that was uh, the second or the first. Let's see. Yeah, so this was first. Over 100 terrorists have crawled out of their tunnels. And then, and this person just says, this picture is from northern Gaza, not Khan Yunus. And these are civilians who were kidnapped from an UNRWA shelter. The point, though, is that they, they then come out showing you this very ominous image of them all lined up right in front of a little dune. Like, what does that mean? I think we all know what that means. It means that these are people that are at least suggesting are about to be killed. Now, again, not that it should mean more. Oh, first of all, here's Motaz, who's one of the respected journalists that have, are still maintaining in, inside of Gaza. Israeli army arrested Palestinian civilians from the school in northern Gaza and forced them to take off their clothes and let them in the cold street and so on. Right above that is Hen Mazig saying dozens of Hamas fighters, just, you know, blindly stating what Israel just said or to tell him to say. Same point from before. Even CNN is saying, actually, I don't think I grabbed this. real quick saying that they're not all Hamas terrorists, which is funny because even, because even, even this is like my point about all this CNN, even, even saying, even the idea to suggest that some of them are, which again, maybe I don't think so based on all the evidence we have. I don't think they've needed that in any sense, but so far, what are they saying? They're all Hamas terrorists. Every one of them, except here's what even CNN just said. So this video that's appeared of dozens of men uh, being detained, what, what do we know about it? Yeah, these images were circling on social media today, and it shows dozens of Palestinian men detained by Israeli forces in Gaza. We don't know exactly when or where these videos were taken, although some of them we have geolocated to the northern northern Gaza city of Beit Lahia. See, and they're lying. Israel is lying and saying Khan Yunus. The Mossad account, on the record. And in it, you can see men who are blindfolded, who are stripped to their underwear, who are detained on streets and in the backs of military vehicles. Um, what we also know is that while some of them may be Hamas fighters, certainly we know that not all of them are. And That's the point. 
So even when he had to say that, what he said was, the only thing we can prove is that many of them are not. Everything else is a hypothetical because they're floating this without evidence, right? So they may be, but what we know is that some of them aren't. That's even CNN, my God, because that's the point. They're arresting civilians from a school and telling the world they're all terrorists that they got that trotted out of a tunnel, even though even they just said, no, it was from a northern area inside of a Gaza area. It's not a tunnel and terrorists they pulled out of a tunnel. They are manufacturing an illusion of a story to make people think they just won something. That is nothing if not desperate. And nobody's buying it. Other than people, again, that have a vested interest in buying what they're selling. Now, on top of that, and I think this is related, Israel executed. Tens of Palestinian civilians, including women and children, seeking refuge inside a UN school in Gaza's Jablia, the refugee camp area. Tens of bodies were scattered in the schoolyard. So I'm thinking these might be related. The overlap of the, I, mean, I, I can't speak to whether it's the exact same location, but the idea being these are either multiple schools, they're doing the same thing, or maybe they were looking for that one person, the one, you know, the, the professor that they killed in the school, or rather when he left the school in his sister's apartment. Max Blumenthal reports that execution-style massacres of civilians took place in northern Gaza's Indonesian hospitals. So you see this is happening all across the, over the last 24 hours. A local journalist says soldiers executed dozens in a schoolyard after besieging them for four days. wonder if one of those journalists were the people they just arrested. The video shows the civilians murdered by Gaza. Oh, of course they deleted it. Or they sp- God, man. You see my point? This they don't. This showed all sorts. It's graphic for sure, but there's all sorts of graphic stuff being allowed on this platform. But of course, because it shows you executions by Israeli soldiers, it's deleted instantly. My God, I just can't get past how obvious this is. This is a desperate effort, and I think we've been clearly established what side Twitter is on. See if we can get a way back example here. Nope. Too bad. Nobody saved it. Well, I guess you don't. I mean, probably good you don't get to end on that disgusting note. The point is, videos of civilians murdered by Israel. But I, but Twitter hid it from you because they don't want you to see it. Just disgusting. Well, we're going to leave it there for the day, guys, even though it looks like we pretty much went through everything anyway, right at four, which was kind of where I didn't want to get past, but... Too long for most everybody, I would argue, but I really hope that you guys will break this stuff down, pull out some of these clips, which we're already doing, as I was saying. Jason Bassler just put out an excellent breakdown of, uh, I think it was, it was Robert's recent, no, it was Matt's article. That's what it was about the Greater Greater Israel Project. I think he might've already put one out so far while I've been on the show about the rape allegations. Uh, I think we've got some other clips that came out from Brock. My point is, though, the more that you guys can break this down, put out the clips and the information, just include the link so they can get the link, the source material. That's an absolute. But break it up as much as you want. Put it on your own platforms. Put the stuff everywhere. Get the clips out there, the important parts that you think stand out, and put it on Twitter. Put it on Gab. Put it everywhere. Get the information out there so people can start seeing this stuff. Thank you for tuning in tonight, guys. I know it was a long show, but I thought this stuff was important. I I think I'm going to be – I can just check right now, actually, since I've got this here about tomorrow. My plan. Oh, you know what? Uh, possibly. It's a 50-50 for the show tomorrow, but I'm going to try because I wanted to talk about some of the things as well. 
But lastly, before I forgot, because I forgot to do this in the beginning, you had been wondering what this was sitting next to me. I just want to give a shout out to somebody who sent me this outstanding journal. You can see it with the light. It says question everything and like a reflective on this, this really neat journal. Oops. Somebody else's letter they sent to me, I put in there. But the point is that it's like this really neat journal. It's called a lay flat is the name of it. But I just think it's really neat. People sending me stuff like that. I just want you guys to know it means everything to me. And I'm, I'm planning on using this. I've got, I love journals in general. So thank you so much. And anybody else out that want to support this platform, just reach out, donate through the platform on the website, a dollar, a dollar a month on recurring and never think about it again. will change everything for us. Right. I mean, I really mean that if we just get enough people, which again, the, the overwhelming support that has continued through last month. And it's, it's important. Now, one thing I was going to talk about in the beginning that I decided not to, but I'm going to say right now, just because I think it's important. You guys know. I'm sure I'm going to talk about this more, but right now the last American vagabond is being sued. And I, I, I feel very strongly that this is about, so I, I can't get into the details, obviously the reasons you might expect, because we're still kind of figuring out how we're going to deal with this and what's going to happen. And it might end up affecting it negatively, but I'm sure if it goes, I, I'm sure it's, I know at some point that I'm going to let you know what's going on here, but it, it could potentially end up being something pretty damaging. And it's about trying to put us in a position unjustly, mind you. And even though we know it's unjust, and even though all of our opinion is that it is an unjust kind of dishonest attempt to try to weasel money out, that either way, it's something we have to engage with because it's aimed at the LLC of the last American vagabond. And I just think that this is going to happen more. And it, it could very well could amount to the end of what we're doing if we can't fight it effectively. But that's, you know, down the line, we'll see what happens. But I think this is going to happen more and more. It's hard not to see the overwhelming since the last so many months really pinpointed down the high, everything acting funny people. I mean, I, it doesn't matter all my hypothetical, my worries and my questions, but I think ultimately I do believe that this work is going to continue to become more contentious and more problematic. The digital direction it all goes in. It's just my point being the more support you guys can marshal for us, the better. And we'll continue to do the best we can with what we have and fight as much as we can, as long as we can. And I know you guys believe in us and it means the world to us. And I hope we can keep growing. So thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything and come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.